Have you ever seen two women, two males, two anybodies oh. that have fought like this in a lights out match? I'm gonna rethink my friendship. I'm never gonna piss her off again. Good God. Don't Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. This is Steve, and I'm joined, as usual, by my partner in crime, Jeff. Jeff, what's up, buddy? What's up, lobster dicks? <laughs> Are we trying to get lobster dicks over or shrimp dicks? Both. I mean, you know, we, 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 you know it's, it's obviously a, uh, a copyright infringement of my own, of sorts, and... Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to get attention. I, I desperately I, I'm sad because I'm estranged from my spirit daughter and and I'm making any overture that I can, even if it even if it means getting her outraged at me taking uh, her crustacean joke and, and doubling down with a much larger crustacean. I think you should just like not DM her because that kind of seems a little creepy, but, you know, oh, I already just did that. Just, you know, keep mentioning her, but use emojis instead. Just use shrimp and eggplant. <laughs> uh, Guys, this is episode 22 of the Hammerlock Hangover. Thanks for joining us as usual. Um, we got a lot to talk about. We got AEW. We've got an interview with Kevin Castle. We're going to do Fastlane predictions with him. And we've got uh, NXT, some WWE stuff and news. So let's just jump right into it. We're going to jump into AEW right now. And the big news from AEW is the, the, the match, I guess, that has everybody talking, and that's Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. Uh, you know, Bully Ray likes to say sometimes in a match someone goes, like, gets, goes over as in they win and somebody gets over after they lose. And this is the epitome of that. Thunder Rosa went over with a W, but the real person that got over was Britt Baker. Jeff, what were your thoughts on this? Everybody's talking about this match. You know, sometimes you criticize, and I don't mean you, Steve. I mean you, me, Rick Large, collectively you. We criticize a match because it has too many spot fests and too many near falls and too many two counts and all of that. And all that would be valid criticism of this match, but it was so good that it didn't matter. I love this match. I thought this was the best women's match I've seen on AEW television. It's one of the most entertaining matches I can remember seeing. And it saved a show which was largely ridiculous. Um, a few tolerable persons. But... I will nitpick in a couple of areas because that's what I do. First of all, it's an unsanctioned lights out match. The lights were absolutely on. The commentary is there. The crowd's still there. The ref is still there. Sort of goofy on that. Uh, and of course, Sheeta was watching backstage, WWE style backstage, sort of sideways. And apparently, she only packed one outfit that's not a wrestling outfit for her move to the United States because she's always wearing that white suit. And it's not even it's not even Labor Day. She's wearing white before Labor Day. 
Um, I also like the touch of Jade Cargill being in the in the crowd, who, by the way, I'm starting to call Jade Berg, uh, and that's not a pejorative. Uh, that's a compliment. But I saw her laughing in the crowd, and I thought that that was, that was a good touch. But, no, I, I thought this match was great. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of color. Um, and I don't know. You're right. I mean, it was, you know, everyone wants to compare it to Becky or Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what? Fine. You know, for, for this era, why not? And when Britt Baker's face was a crimson mask and she looked into the camera and she was like smiling, like, yeah, I know what's going on here. That, I mean, that was, that was just great. That was so heelish. And everyone expected Thunder Rosa to put on a, a great performance and win. I think people thought Britt would put on an okay performance, but not this. So kudos. I mean, tip my hat. Well done. Without a doubt, this match was uh, stellar. I, you know, Thunder Rosa has been in the Indies for not too long. And Britt Baker, same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that on your best day, would you have bet that these two could have brought this type of match together? And that's what I think it's also that damn good because it's just surprising. It's not something you expect, especially out of Britt Baker. You know, the criticism heading into this match was Britt, um, Brit is still green. She's, you know, rough sometimes. But, you know, this was just an all-out war. Great in-ring storytelling. Great registering. Everything makes sense. Even Rebels' interference, the subsequent table spots, all of it made sense. Like, I loved it. It was amazing. The the Brit, you know, that's the sort of stuff that they teach in, in NXT, right, is like, to prep you for WWE is to learn where the camera is and play up the camera. And for Britt to have the wherewithal to, to, to get the crimson mask, have that, the, these, these big cheesy Cheshire cat smile uh, towards the cameras. I mean, it's great. It's great. It's great. I think she's definitely leveled up. Uh, Thunder Rosa levels up this. I was thinking a lot about you. Um, not in uh, oh, appropriate. And not in an inappropriate manner, but I was thinking about you because we're we're always very critical on the show about the forbidden door, the forbidden door, and how it's not working for NXT for not for NXT for um, Impact. It's definitely not working for NXT. Yeah, no, it's not, and it's not working for New Japan, right? Like, who? How's this partnership going? But here, you had an a stellar example of how the partnership can work thunder rosa gets over she doesn't lose any shine and you've built the pedigree of quite arguably your number one female star in the company at the moment and that's Britt baker yeah i i agree with everything you just said the only thing i i, I would say is i i think that thunder rosa is around a decade in the business because I mean she goes back to the Lucha Underground days. Uh, Britt Baker, I think, is probably in her fourth year, so she's much greener. But you know, still, I mean, you know, Thunder Rose also has an MMA, MMA background, so she's got some of the, the natural mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, listen, what I, I don't care if they're both ten-year veterans, if they're both three-year veterans, if they're both twenty-year veterans. This was great. They, every part of it was done well. Um, and I know that a lot of people are probably going to say it's overboard, uh, overblown, or they went overboard. It, it was too gruesome for some modern fans. 
whatever, man. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. All I can say is this was 10 times better and 10 times more entertaining than the exploding barbed wire death match, which mm -hmm. was the main event of a pay-per-view, which no one will ever get their money back for that. This is true. I want to bring up a couple points, and that's what happens from here, right? One is an AEW point and one is a WWE point. The AEW point is there's no way that Brit, you know, a lot of people are comparing Brit to Austin, right? Oh, the Crimson Mask. It's very reminiscent of Austin and Bret Hart and WrestleMania. And after that match, Austin kept working heel, but he was so over. Like, Who's going to boo Britt Baker now? Who's going to boo her? Hikaru Shida is, in my opinion, stale, character-wise. As a wrestler, she can wrestle. Yes, fantastic. She's probably their best pound-for-pound -pound wrestler but in the women's division. But who is... Is she a character? No. Does anybody care about her character? Absolutely not. So when Shida and Britt Baker match up, why is that audience not going to be like rooting for Brit and booing Sheeta? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that they're the ones who are going to match up. I mean, Brit lost the match, so I don't think that it's necessarily going to be Brit Baker against Sheeta. It should be Brit Baker against whoever the next champion is, or, or maybe two down the road. All I know is that Britt Baker, since January of 2020, has been one of the best characters in wrestling, and she's a great heel, and it's like turning MJF face. You could do it, but it would never feel right. It's like when they turn, and Charlotte's not that good. A heel. She isn't as good a heel as either of these people are, but when they turned her face, it just never felt right, and they're already sort of turning her heel again. It just it just rings hollow. I think it would be the same thing. Mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would just find a way to make Brit even more brutal to, you know, maybe recruit the people that, that Jade recruited originally, but then seemed to cast aside as soon as she was doing better on her own, you know, get Eva Lisa and Diamante, you know, on, on her side. I don't know, someone, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, maybe some, a story that, that some of the people who worked for uh, Mission Pro and Thunder Rosa were, were given promises that were never kept and, and Brit, you know, recruits them. And she just gets more vicious and, uh, you know, just becomes that heel. So I, I know every day, you know, at some point, everybody has to play both roles. But I, I, I don't see how or why you do that with Britt Baker now just to put a title over, around her waist. She, she doesn't need it. She, she, could, she could be, you know, the heel without a title for, you know, most of her career. She could basically be, well, you like you compare people to Kane a lot. She could be like Kane where she, you know, she has a 12 or 13 year career. She can hold the title, you know, three times so that, you know, she has the, the kudos, yeah. but you know, the three times total, you know, seven and a half months or whatever. I just think that like, there's no reason why not to put the title on her. And so that leads me to the other AEW point is if you're going, she's so hot right now. Right. Why not push her to the title? Like, what are you going to do? To What are you going to do? Like, she's white hot. Are you going to put her in a program with Nyla Rose, with Layla Hirsch, with who? <laughs> like, 
nobody wants to see that shit. They want to yeah. see her take the fucking title and be the fucking top of the mountain. Well, the only thing I can see that would work would be the basically the opposite of what I just said. And instead of her being the one who does the savaging, someone else savages her. And you know who's next for that? Jade Berg. Jade Cargill savages her with her old crew or without her old crew. She doesn't need him anymore. I just don't know that she's she's good enough to be featured like that yet. But, you know. Yeah. But, so, but someone like Jade Berg, I, I agree it shouldn't be Nyla Rose. Plus, it would destroy my entire Vicky, uh, hashtag fire Vicky narrative. Unless, of course, Vicky wasn't there then, which would make perfect sense because that's when she wins. Um, I don't know. But savage, someone beating the crap out of, you know, uh, Britt Baker. Maybe this snap Thunder Rosa. Maybe, you know, the Dia de la Muerte uh, stuff has, has taken over her soul and she goes completely medieval on her. I, I, I don't know, but that's the only way I can see to turn Britt Baker face right now. And I, and I still think it would be a mistake. She's such a great character. Yeah. And then my last point related to WWE is, you know, right now, everybody's talking about it's WrestleMania season. Bianca. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you, you were going to ask who else do I think they could put with Sheeta to take the belt if they wanted to be, if, you know, obviously they don't, they don't care about being TNA 2.0 and if they want to make a splash. Well, there's a free agent named Thea Trinidad out there who can play heel. Yeah, but that would also, I guess that would require. I don't know. Rumored to have signed with AEW. I mean, nothing's been confirmed. There's all sorts of rumors this week that none of which have been confirmed. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, listen, Austin was able to straddle the line for a long time, for several years, of being a heel but being over. He was this tweener, right? Mm -hmm. Until like later on when WCW merged, that he became this babyface. And it failed miserably. So maybe a second person who was a tweener, top card person who was over whether they were face or heel for any significant amount of time. The Rock. Okay, you've just named two of the people who <laughs> probably are on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, agreed. But that's see, that's the hard part, right? But I don't know. Like this is this. I'll just say this. I, there's no criticism of it. It's just. I'm intrigued to see what AEW does from here. Then they did their job. Moving to WWE. So now everybody's talking about Bianca and Sasha. They're already saying it should main event. How, if you're Bianca and Sasha, how do you top this? When you're going to be compared to this match now, because it's now what, less than a month away? You're People are going to, if there's one ounce of blood in that WrestleMania match between Sasha and Bianca, regardless of whether it's thumbtacks or just being busted open the hard way, they're going to compare it to, to this match. And you don't want to be compared to this. You want to rise above it. They're going to have to wrestle. That's the one thing that this match, if I'm going to criticize anything, is it, it was, again, A, it was a really good match. I'm I'm being extremely critical here. I'm not saying that that it it's it sucked. Absolutely not. But if you're gonna find anything, it's that wasn't a wrestling match. They needed weapons to get over. And 
for Bianca and Sasha to be set apart from this at WrestleMania, they have to wrestle a wrestling match. And it's got to be an epic wrestling match. I will counter that with two things. One, WWE for WrestleMania pulls the co-main event thing plenty. And they're going to have two nights with the potential of at least two co-main events. So they can legitimately call things for four different matches, main events, and they probably will. So it's not that big a deal. Secondly, nine out of 10 times, WWE does not care what anyone else does. They just do their thing, good, bad, or indifferent. They do their own thing. They stick to their plan. Sometimes they change their plans, but it's not because they're reacting to something AEW did or New Japan did or Impact did or NWA did. They're, they're, you know, just reacting to, you know, the whims of somebody or something strangely catches fire that, that took them by surprise, like Kofi, uh, mm-hmm. like Daniel Bryan, maybe Lashley. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be, but I think that Bianca and Sasha are going to put on a good match, maybe a great match, but I think it's going to be similar to Sasha and Bailey. I don't think it's. I don't think they're going to try to match the brutality. They don't do the blood. They don't do the color. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's just not their thing, and I don't think they're going to change it for the first large scale crowd event in the Peacock era, which you know, let's not forget, is owned by Comcast. So no, I I don't think they're going to care. I don't think they're going to change anything. But I think those ladies are going to put on a good match and sure people are going to compare it, but the only people who are going to care are going to be the 740,000 people who watch AEW like diehards. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone else will just compare it to an individual match. I mean, yeah, we compare everything to Brett and, and stone cold, but there's been lots of blood matches since then. I mean, you know, people tried to compare Cody and Dustin to Brett and stone cold and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, it was viewed as a great match on its own. So whatever that comparison is, however strong or pal it is, is, is going to be short-lived. So I'm, I'm not concerned about that. What I want to talk about with you, and you're probably going to get to yourself, is how you and I both get to sort of take a victory lap, but this is on an issue that you should be really upset about, and that is Cody's arm, all injured, so injured, Penta doing everything he was supposed to be, being the heel. He does the arm break move in the middle, and Cody still wraps him up, still gets the win despite all that. And the story of this match afterwards is QT Marshall still isn't quite on board with the nightmare, whatever they are, factory, collective, family, whatever, condo association, whatever they call themselves. Um, I like that. This was ridiculous. And, and, you know, Penta does the heel beat down afterwards and, you know, walks away slowly, staring down Dustin, 92 guns. Um, you know, I, I don't know who else was out there. You know, just oh, my sort, God. You know, with, with the with the most slow motion rescue I've ever seen, you know, the, the, the gun club, they're seven feet away. <laughs> and it took them about three minutes to get there, waiting for Dustin to come from the back. But... This... Listen, Jeff. I, 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 I know you're looking for a rant from me, and 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 it's unfortunate that I'm all out of energy. I, I'm not gonna. I, you know why? Because I expected this. I expected them, and I think I said it on last week's show. You did. That's why I, we did victory lap. I'd be surprised that Cody put over Pentagon. 
And, and guess what? He didn't. And not only did he not put him over, but he also subsequently buries the guy. Mm -hmm. This arm bar broke so many arms. It looks so devastating in Lucha Underground. Now it's a the super guy. The guy got over so much with this bar and became an international star because this of it. Exactly People how not to build a top heel. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. See, I'm glad you get it because you're talking about building up guys, building up talent. I had an argument with one of my friends regarding this after AEW because I was like, what is, what's going on? And they were like, well, Phoenix is, answer? Phoenix is a Phoenix is, is already the top star out of the two of them. And I said, well, why not both? Why not? Why not push them both? Pentagon worldwide was the bigger name out of the two of them going into AEW when they signed. Now that is not the case. It is the opposite. I'm going to compare Pentagon to Ricochet. Ricochet, same thing. Came out of Lucha Underground. World champion. Prince Puma. A lot of steam. People were excited that he signed. And now look at him. He's nowhere. He's got airtime. Yeah, that's right. Is he a champion? Is he a winner? Yeah. Nope. Pentagon, same thing. A lot of steam coming out. Who's he going to sign with? Oh, he signed with AEW. This is a great signing. He's going to be great. Oh, the Lucha Bros. Oh, they're going to be the champions. It's the tag team uh, division is so stacked. Where are they? They might as well be on a side of a milk carton. They don't show up. They're not well, even in the top five. And Pac is, Pac is apparently injured because he hasn't wrestled two weeks in a row. So they shouldn't be called the death triangle. They should be called the death triangle because <laughs> they get money for nothing. Like they, All three of them can't be healthy at the same time. They should be called the disabled triangle because of this uh, is a fucking joke. They're injured all the time or having a visa problem. It's ridiculous. Like, it, it, come on, man. Like, and for me, like, again, I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe you get sick and tired of me fucking saying this, but. As a person of color, as a Latino guy, I can't. I, I see these guys, and they they're jobbers. Well, I'm a Latino by by association. You're a Latino by insertion, the opposite <laughs> way. I learned that in high school when somebody was like, "Oh, not extraction." She's Dominican, something like that. Whatever you figure it out. <laughs> she's Dominican. No, she's from Ecuador. Man. No, that's what that's what this guy when I was in high school was like. Oh. Oh, she's Dominican by injection. I see, see you learn. You see, you learn all kinds of things on this show. Classy show. Very classy. So yeah, um, um, listen, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it, but am I shocked? Nope. So, I know you're not, and that's why I want to raise it. And I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't get a full-on rant, but you were right, and I frankly, I was right too. But for a moment there, I was hoping they would use the injury angle to keep Pentagon strong, but nope. But and that's exactly how not to make a top heel a top heel. And I want to transition this into another segment, which is basically on the same vein called amateur versus professional. Uh, so amateur Tony Khan, the example we just cited with Pentagon, could have made him strong easily. You had an easy out with Cody. 
really, you could have done the same. We could have had the same conversation last week with Scorpio Sky and Darby. You had you had an out. He was beaten to hell in the street match. But let's just use the same example. Uh, well, the same example in the coming example, the same guy. And we're talking about how to handle the champion, Kenny Omega. So amateur Tony Khan has Kenny Omega in a program with Matt Seidel that moves from dark elevation as a main event where if Matt Seidel wins, he will get a title shot. Now, to AEW's credit, the one time I remember seeing this stipulation recently, the the team that shouldn't win didn't win, so they didn't get that title shot. So, it, you know, so they didn't follow Wrestling 101 in that, and maybe they won't again, but maybe they will. And then you've got Matt Seidel in a title picture, which is absurd. Same week, you have a professional handling Kenny Omega, and that's Don Callis. Makes mm -hmm. him look healy, strong, not exactly chicken shit heel, but cocky, has his, his thugs doing the work, but they but they lay the beat down on their enemy. Same week, same heel, treated two differently, two different ways. One Tony Khan's in charge, and you take your top guy and you diminish him. You bring him down to the level of Matt Seidel. No disrespect to Matt Seidel, the human being, the person, his his career. But where he is on the pecking order of AEW shouldn't be anywhere near the title picture. He is enhancement talent on dark and elevation. And when they feel nice, you know, in some sort of, you know, 92 man tag match on, on dynamite, they diminish Kenny Omega by doing that. They diminish Pentagon. They diminish Scorpio sky, who by the way, did, didn't do himself any favors this week by calling himself a wrestling savant. Clearly he doesn't know what savant means. Scorpio, it means you're good at one thing and you're not functional at anything else which I guess includes promos. It was a good promo until I used that word. Jeff, tell me how Scorpio Sky is not fully buried at this point in time. Like, he wins the hemorrhoid ring at um, – because <laughs> a lot of people are calling it a sonic ring because it looks like I, one of the I rings see, from Sonic. I see that now. But, I, un I understand why now. Yeah, it looks like a me, toilet ring, like a cushion. But to me, it's a hemorrhoid ring. When you have ass hemorrhoids – you sit on a ring so that way your ass doesn't hurt. That's exactly what he won. So he has this, uh, you know, hemorrhoid in the bank uh, briefcase or ring. And this guy, there's no build to the to the match. He They feed him to Darby. Darby beats his ass and he's back into obscurity. Meanwhile... Well, no, he did the same thing as Pentagon. He attacks from behind and, and, and looks like he got on top. But he didn't. He's nowhere available. Exactly. And then the other thing, the other thing that makes it worse is his other two running buddies, SCU, Kazarian and uh, uh, Daniels, I checked the, the tag team rankings and apparently they're ranked number one or number two. Despite Phoenix and Pac having the number one contender match and not being in tag team <laughs> matches. And by the way, their, their name's not Kazarian and Daniels, it's Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, well, what? Listen, this is ridiculous. Where did they get seven wins? I barely see these guys on the fucking air. What are you talking about? This is a joke. It's a joke. I, I don't know. It's I, I have nothing to say <laughs> to that except I will raise you by saying that Jade Cargill jawed with the number one ranked woman, Red Velvet, after her match. Red Velvet, last time we saw her, she was losing. And and last I saw Big Swole, she was doing a fabulous promo about how she's the number one 
ranked female and was left out of, out of a tournament. So she's not even the number one ranked female anymore. I don't remember seeing her lose. I don't remember seeing Red Velvet win. And I don't know how many matches they possibly could have had in the last week and a half. <laughs> how the hell is Red Velvet ranked number one? Not that it matters any, but geez, I mean, it's, it's, it's just dumb. But by the way, kudos to uh, Jade Cargill for killing Danny Jordan. The burn book is on her, Danny. You burned yourself. Jade Cargill is AEW's best discovery uh, because if she becomes a halfway decent wrestler, she is the the real chance they have at some at becoming like a breakout crossover star, like on TV and movies, that kind of thing, yes. like a, a female rock. And it's exactly the right time where everything in Hollywood is being recast on both skin color and gender and she's got both going on right now and she looks like superwoman uh so best time for her great discovery smart move i don't know if they knew how smart they were when the, when they signed her but a great find oh my god absolutely like we can't rave enough about jade cargill yeah this is all sincere i know that i'm sarcastic a lot but this this is all sincere and when i call her jade berg or jade carberg or Cargillberg, whatever it is, it's it's all a compliment because goal, you know, I know people mock Goldberg now, but nobody was doing that in 97, 98, 99. Oh no. Oh no. no. That that was my formative, you know, well, that was not my formative wrestling years, but I was youngish then. Um <laughs> in my late twenties. And Goldberg Goldberg was the shit. I mean, Goldberg Austin was the was everyone's dream match. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, um, the other thing that happened on AEW. Uh, we finally got uh, past calling these this new faction, MJF faction, the Four Horsemen. And now they debut this name, Pinnacle. Yeah. What do you think about this name? It's fine. I mean, I told you there was going to be a new name. I mean, unfortunately, it was all over the, the, the media and the internet days before it came out and it turned out. I mean, I wish almost that they changed the name just to make those things wrong. But I think the name is fine. I mean, Pinnacle, as LL Cool J would say, means... You reign supreme. I like that Tully did the talking. I like how MJF said, I guess I really am Judas. Uh, I wasn't really sure about taking the locker room as being a big deal. That that seems very, you know, high school football kind of thing. But uh, no, I, I thought that this was this was pretty good. I mean, double S, Sean Spears, I don't know. I mean, I, I he's going to have to start holding his weight and, and stop talking about being real. held back. Uh, and if he's just there to be the, the pin eater, that that's a darn shame. I could not help but notice just how darn short FTR look, even next to MJF, who is not a tall man. I saw MJF. He's at most my height, and I am no taller than 5'10", even. Uh, and I think he's a he's a little bit shorter than me, so he's probably 5'9". These, so those guys are shorter than 5'9". Um, and that's not a great thing. Nevertheless, getting past my sizeism, I thought that this was a good segment. I thought it was the third best segment on the show. The first, of course, being the, the match. The second being Jade Cargill in her circle. And after that, I thought the Miro segment was actually pretty good. And it looks like we're going to finally get to an end that we just have to put up with it for a little bit longer. But Miro was freaking funny in this. You know, basically, I don't care about you. I don't care about your wife. And trust me, having your wife at ringside is the worst career move you could ever make. All good stuff. And Miro actually said, I'm here for the world championship. So... Which is great, but I but Smarmy Jeff has to point out that the people who are talking about the world championship are Moxley, Miro, and Christian. All, all, all three WWE guys. Mm -hmm. No one else. 
I mean, is Kingston talking about? Not really. Just in the, just in past tense con context. Um, so and and that and we I spoke about this last week. Like that's the missing. That's that's what was missing from walking away from Evolution. You could have taken that abomination of an ending to the pay per view, and used it to catapult Kingston into the main event picture with Kenny Omega, while Moxley is off in Nicaragua, supposedly taking care of the, the baby that's coming. Mm. But you know, you know, everybody that listens to us, you guys know where he is in real life. So it would have been a perfect story. And you get your own guy to get over. And maybe maybe he doesn't go over. Maybe Kenny still beats the shit out of him, but maybe he gets over because he's such a badass. So you know what? Why not? But no, again, missed opportunity. Now you've got Christian staring at the title, holding the title. You got uh, fucking Seidel. What what is going on here? This is it's, this is all clown clown academy. This is the one thing I'm gonna differ with you on. I've said this many times before, and I know it's not popular, but as far as in ring performances, Eddie Kingston has got to be the most overrated guy uh, in top tier wrestling these days. He, he's a he's a palooka. He's a great talker. He cuts a great promo. He keeps it real. He he tries. He's got a memory. He's smart. He ties. He can keep stories together. But he's much better suited to be a manager or a spokesperson than an in ring performer. He's not in shape. He he's and he wasn't ever really all that good to begin with. He's 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 just he's a brawler, but he's a brawler who doesn't look like a brawler. Uh, you know. I mean, he's sort of like Kevin Owens, but Kevin Owens is more agile. At least he's like surprisingly agile for you know someone who's built like me. Um, I don't know. I you know anyway. I guess the story now is that Kingston's ankle is broken or busted up. So you know either he's going to do the heroic underdog thing and and keep fighting through it, um, or he's going to be out for a while. Either way, it's it's fine. I you know. Fine. I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with Kingston not not being in that. I mean, I told you it was going to be a bunch of tag team matches, and so it looks like the ever the perpetually confused and befuddled young bucks, you know, maybe in a six man with Moxley against the Good Brothers and Omega, maybe, maybe not. I mean, will they be feuding with the Good Brothers? Well, well, great. The Good Brothers lost their Impact Championships already, so what's what's the point of that match at this point? Unless they get them back, but Finn and Juice have both uh, flown back to Japan for the tournament. So, you know, uh, TN, uh, TNA, uh, sorry, Impact is not going to, uh, probably won't be taping again until the pay-per-view um, or maybe just before it. So who knows what's going to happen. But all right, this is my QAcon. I'm going to do it early. Okay. Yeah, so the QAcon is, I think that Impact taking those tag team titles off the Good Brothers was their passive aggressive way of, of telling AEW, yeah, this relationship isn't working out the way we thought it was going to and depriving them at least of that one young bucks, good brothers, air quotes, dream match um, without actually doing anything to disrupt the ongoing stories in AEW. So I just think it was hmm. that's my little passive conspiracy. I can and, see that. Yeah. And Don Callis is that smart. Yeah, I can see that. 
Yeah, I see. Good. Well, you know, QAcon, you know, every good conspiracy has to have some, <laughs> some element of believability, you know, like a pizza place where you take kids and feed them to vampire Democrats. <laughs> There's no part of that that doesn't check. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Even if you show up there for real in real life and start looking around and like trying to go downstairs. You know, you know what my grandpa them. always said? The one thing I hate about this pizza place is all the damn vampires. <laughs> what else is there for AEW? Anything else to cover? I think yes, that's pretty much it, right? There's always things. I'm going to do it quickly. I mean, first of all, this this Hardy group and and Jurassic Express and Bear Crunchy was ridiculous. I hated that Matt Hardy started the match against Negative One. What? What's that? That was a Negative One. That was Marco Stunt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Still pretty bad. Um, I don't know what Mark Quinn is doing to his hair, but it looked like he had those plastic flowers in his hair that, that like, you know, a flamenco dancer has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. I like um, it. Going back, hold on, hold on. Going, going back to the Marco Stunt thing, I see there's like a lot of, you know, uh, criticism about, and again, this constant chatter about is negative one being exploited. I don't want to, by the way, I don't want to bring that up again. You but, just did. <laughs> but no, no, I'm leading to the joke, which is, okay. How come nobody's talking about the exploitation of poor Marco Stunt? I, I don't know, but they, they almost were talking about the overthrowing of Marco Stunt another six inches, and nobody would have caught him. Um, <laughs> or if they did, it only would have been his ankles, and he would have landed badly. Um, I don't know what they see in this bear country. There's nothing particularly interesting about them. I mean, if one guy's interesting, I mean, if this is heavy machinery, there's one Otis and there's one Tucker. And, and and the smaller one is the Tucker. He's I mean he's got nothing going. He doesn't have a good build. It's like the Viking Raiders with Eric. Eric. Eric has nothing going for him. Ivar at least is like big and Viking like and does his cartwheels and is sort of agile for a big man. Eric nothing. He's not he's not even that big a guy. You know Tucker's bigger, but he had nothing going for him. The the, the I think his name is Bronson Bear. Useless. <laughs> but so I will say one thing about this, and the one positive is that. The Jurassic Express finally has found themselves where they belong on the undercard. And that's where they belong. Sarah Logan's not going to be happy with how you just cut down her husband. Don't care. Um, <laughs> one more thing on Christian Cage. He's already the top cage in AEW. Hashtag fire Taz. <laughs> can, let's talk, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, we that, have. So... Do you consider what Cage did, you know, baby facing up to Sting? Is that a turn, like a face turn? Oh, I thought you were talking about Christian Cage, how he was you sort of walking back from his his holding the title, saying, I know I've got to beat you, I've got to make get some wins, and down the road I'll see you, Kenny. I still think that he's in the title picture. I think that, that was a bunch of bunk. Oh, but your question, what do I think about Cage? Yeah, that's a face turn. That's the that is the beginnings of a face turn. Doesn't Cage look more like an idiot? Like, again, we've been saying this on this podcast for several. Now it's it's months. Let's be real; it's at least two months. We've been saying this that T Team Taz, Cage, all those guys look like a bunch of buffoons and losers. And here you have Cage saying, "I'm going to give you props, Sting. You whipped my ass for two months. I respect you." Like, right. is he an idiot? 
Uh, well, of course he's an idiot, but he's a, he's an idiot going back to a year ago when he forgave Taz for throwing the towel in for him and then never followed <laughs> up on Taz getting him the rematch that Moxley offered him on live TV. So, yeah, yes, he's an idiot, but you know what? It's it's better to be an idiot for a while and see the light than to never see it at all. Like the other three boobs, I mean, one of them at least has an excuse and that he's his son. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, no, th th this, is, this is horrendous. And by the way, in my segment that I did last night on UPR, which is called Suck It, Caden, Archer clearly is is in a course collision, collision course with Sting. So he's a heel. So Cage is a face. So two big men with turns that were sort of abrupt. Um, so Paul White, he's he's coaching them up. He's teaching them how to, how to work big man style. See, I told you. I told you he was there for that. Ballerina style. You told me, please. All I right. told you that. I said this like two two episodes ago. I said, Jeff, watch. He's gonna he's gonna teach these big guys how to work big. And look at them. Look at these guys. I told you he was gonna teach them how to work ballerina style by doing pirouettes, <laughs> the revolving door style. <laughs> but yeah, this is. I mean, and and Cage goes up to Sting and gives that speech, and they're and he's like, Ricky Starks is wrong. They're like, what 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 what? They're they're, they're caught flat footed. They're ill prepared. They're they didn't. Cage took them by surprise. Why would that surprise anyone? Taz is always ill-prepared. He never prepares his team. He's the worst coach ever. So why would they possibly talk? At least Jericho, before he got double swindled, you know, pointed out that he talks to his people every single day instead of Sammy, and they were prepared for this. Now there was a double turn there. But at least he, you know, tried to acknowledge reality that you stupid idiot. Of course we talk every day. No, these guys just show up on Tuesdays or when, you know, Tuesday night, you know, they meet, you know, they don't even go to have drinks because, you know, Cage has to be in the gym at, you know, 4.30 a.m. And he's taken by surprise. Some basic communication could have avoided this. But no, Taz is not a leader. He sucks. He's terrible. It's embarrassing. Hashtag fire Taz. And it looks like one of his four guys has, has adopted it. And I... Cage, I'm waiting for the call. Not you, Christian Cage, Brian Cage. I'm waiting for the call because I'm happy to be your manager and I cannot possibly do any worse than Taz. He 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 just maybe he should not have a manager for a while. Just do your own thing. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is that none of it is good when it comes to Taz and just just abysmal. Um we should point out something about your stupid idiot Moxley, uh, because the, the one he comes into the ring with his right bicep and shoulder all taped up, and the the gauze is all you know around to keep it stable, and that's part of the whole story. So what's he do in his comeback offense? Two clotheslines with his right arm. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a left arm, he, you know, so he keeps injuring himself. And then, of course, at the end there was the botch where. He was crawling over to cover uh, Kingston's body, but then he realized, oh no, that's not this match. That was the last match that botched terribly. And then he's like, then he gets up and grabs his arm and falls the other way and moves to the other corner. Oh my god! So they could break his uh, Kingston's angle, ankle. I mean, that was just ridiculous. It was just, it was just so bad. I mean, I was actually hoping Christian would come out to to do the rescue, but of course the the befuddled, confused, and listless Bucks came out to talk the way into the rescue but hey they refused the two suites so that's that's some pretty pretty badass stuff and then uh kenny omega threw a shirt at them which is you know equally badass listen 
I can't tell whether the book the Bucks are faces, not faces. Who knows? Every other week it changes. Neither neither can I. The only thing that makes them faces is that their father got beat up, but their father's such a weirdo that <laughs> <laughs> Um and why is Darby offering this thing to the Dark Order? I mean, we all know why, but in storyline it makes no sense. And then like apparently Hornswoggle and Negative One are arguing about who should take the, the shot and then Hornswoggle's getting it. I mean, wasn't there a time when Evil Uno was the leader? Wasn't there a time when, when he made the decisions and his there, there was, was Stu Grayson? Now they're like some sort of collective where they make decisions together. And what exactly has this done for Colt Cabana? And by the way, when Team Hardy won two matches, one on Elevation, one on Dynamite, where's Adam Page to, to take his cut? I mean, they have they have a match with the stipulations, which is lasting another three weeks from from the date of victory, and they have two shows, and they squander that by not using comedy. So instead, they have Sting interrupted not once but twice in the same segment. It's just, it's just I mean, it's this show was largely bad, with a few light spots until that last match, which was spectacular. And and you know what? Unlike the pay per view, because all you remember is the bad finish. All you'll remember is that great match. But that's why yep. the Hamalock Hangover is here, to remind you of the other crappy stuff. But we, we put over that that other match, and we put over a couple of other good segments. So we're actually going to get John Silver versus Darby Allen for the TNT title. Um, so, I I'm mean... Getting, if, I'm getting chubbed up just thinking about it. So if exciting. If party doesn't get involved in that and attack everyone in the Dark Order, I, I don't know what's going, but then... It's going to get all, I mean, is Sting going to be the new leader of the Dark Order? I mean, I, I shouldn't even put that kind of evil into the air. I I, I, I don't even know what to say. It, it was, what an odd show. This was this was a this was a very odd show. And you know what? The, the ratings showed it. I mean, they clobbered NXT, but they still did poorly. They did, they did what was it, 768, which was about 25,000 better than last week. But yeah, I mean, last week I, a lot of people were pissed off about Revolution. This week you would think that a bunch of them came back, but. No, they did, but they didn't turn on NXT either. So I'll be I'll be interested to see if the hour by hours when they come out on Friday mm-hmm. is if if they peaked um, during the main event. That's what I want to see. Is did they steal a majority of NXT's um, audience during that Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match? Well, the chances are pretty good because you know, first of all, people are gonna blame it on Lorcan and Birch, who are not exactly ratings draws, which is true, but frankly, neither is Finn. Um, and and frankly, true. To, to my chagrin, Cross really isn't either. He's first getting a little bit of steam, but let's just say he's on the upswing. I don't know if it's enough to pick up those other three, especially with a match that has such an obvious type of outcome. I mean, there's, there's no chance that those two are winning the tag team belts and unless you tuned it to nxt in the beginning you wouldn't have known that anyway so yeah yeah so it was it was ill-constructed uh to be a, but yeah, yeah i'm always interested. I mean, it was it was it was a rough week for nxt because they had a lot of people come down with i think uh covid positive uh or covid exposure and i i guess the, the rumor going in was you know they were going to be shorthanded so you saw like there was a lot of new faces walter showed up so yeah. definitely had to 
But they've been teasing Lean. Arthur for a couple of weeks. I mean, I you know, if I didn't know about the breakout, which by the way, nobody's talked about how many people were exposed or how many got ill and or if anyone got ill. Um, but I mean, I don't think there was any story that was ignored that's been going on. I mean, all of the main stories progressed. Um, sure, Kyle O'Reilly was on the screen, but I think he was supposed to be on the screen anyway. I, he was supposed to be banned. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I don't think that the COVID had much or any impact on the constitution of the NXT show. Again, I'm surprised because we are nearing WrestleMania time and a two-day NXT stand and deliver takeover. So you'd think there'd be a little bit more excitement for that in the bill, but maybe people figure there's just enough time, you know, and, and they can catch up later as it gets closer. Yep. I don't know. Hey, um, yes. Sorry. Let's, let's talk about, um, uh, last week on last week's episode, we, we dropped the ball and didn't continue our streak of your Cameron Grimes impression. So can, can you just give us a quick recap on what happened with Cameron Grimes this week, but yeah. do it in Cameron Grimes' voice? Well, I'm Cameron Grimes and I was not on NXT this weekend. No, it's not because I got the COVID with my money. I got the vaccines taken right away. I am vaccinated. I am healthy. I am 100% good to go. The reason I did not show up at NXT is because I talked to my new best friend, Elon Musk. Yeehaw! And I took a little ride parabolic to the dark side of the moon. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff going. Oh, I signed something. Not allowed to tell you what there. But believe me one day, folks, you're going to want to go to the moon. And I did drink some moonshine there. And I left some for those Chinese boys. <laughs> I don't even know what that last part means. <laughs> well, watch the news, would you? See, now that I got money, I just watch the news. I keep it on 17 screens a day. I got Al Jazeera. I got CNN. I got I got MSNBC. Shouldn't, you be, watching, shouldn't you be watching uh, CNBC? What the hell is that? That's for your stocks and your Dogecoin. There's, there's TV shows for stocks? Yes. Mother Blanca. Woo <laughs> I got to go. I'm going to go to my moon room where I keep my TVs all around my planetarium like skylight where I have virtual screens in full 360 degrees to the moon room. Woo! <laughs> Great. This should be an ongoing segment every every week. Okay, you got it. Consider it done. Anything else in NXT that we have to talk to besides Good God Scarlet? Um, Loomis and Theory was sort no. of funny. Cruiserweight versus Cruiserweight. Nobody cares. N nobody on Earth cares. No. Right. No. Yeah. No. Walter's back. People seem to care. I don't really believe that anyone does. I think that there's maybe I, like I don't. Oh, there's like 113,000 people who care who thinks everyone else should care. I'm pretty sure the same people who think we should care about the New Japan Cup. <laughs> Zia Lee, we need more. Hopefully she wasn't one of the COVID-afflicted ones because, I mean, that would be a crime against, well, me and humanity. Evil Dose is, of course, not part of humanity. Uh, and Cross killed Finn, as he should have. So, I mean, that, that was NXT in a, in, a, in a nutshell. I mean, I don't think there was anything substantial that happened there. Yeah, no, it just, it, it 
again, wrestling was good, but uh, just didn't compare to, I mean, that for Baker match with Thunder Rosa, Jesus Christ. Come on now. Well, NXT is just always business as usual. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's just business as usual. And, it, it, you know, it's fine. It's a good show, but it's a good, sh- you know, it's a good show by 1985 sort of uh, territory standards. It, it's, you know, it, it doesn't have all the chaos and color of uh, AW. All right. So that wraps up our NXT review, AW review. Let's get into some fast lane predictions. And while we're in fast lane predictions, we'll talk about some WWE updates with Kevin Castle. So right after this short little interlude, we'll get into that. All right, everybody, we're going to start up with our Fastlane 2021 predictions. And joining us for our Fastlane predictions is none other than Kevin Castle. Kevin, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, Jeff? Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right, guys, let's talk about this card. Um, Oddly enough, there's six matches for, you know, right now I think that's pretty impressive given the fact that I think the last couple of pay-per-views have had only like four or five matches. But here we are, six, and we're recording this on a Tuesday, so after SmackDown there actually might be a couple more matches added. But we shall see. Up until now... We have, uh, let's just jump into the first match. It's Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler with Reginald in their corner against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Guess first. It's, uh, well, I, I think, again, I, what, what's going to happen is it reminds me of like when uh, Macho and Hogan teamed up and. You know, they were friend they're on friendly terms. What were they? The uh what was they? Mega Powers? The Mega Powers. And they went against who was it on Saturday night's main event? Um uh, I think Akeem and the Boss Man, Twin Towers. Which uh, you know, I wouldn't call somebody six four a twin tower, but you know, that was back then. But uh and then you had the fall, you know, Elizabeth and Hogan has eyes for Elizabeth, and then they had the falling out, and eventually they had the match against each other at WrestleMania, Randy was just, it just reminds me of something like that. What Bianca's trying to be like the goody goody and uh, a girlfriend, I'm your friend. And Sasha's being snappy and sarcastic to her and B- Bianca then gets serious, but they, Bianca still thinks they're friends and uh, Sasha's going to turn on her and turn on her badly uh, during that match. Then they're not going to win. This is just to set up some brutality, I think, and show that Sasha is in fact the heel and Bianca was gullible and stupid for teaming up with her. And Bianca's got to get her bad girl back instead of, uh, you know, being way too cutesy with her opponent at WrestleMania. I don't like it. I haven't liked the interactions with Bianca and Sasha. Uh, I think they've been too cutesy. And, you know, this is a big deal. And they might even headline one night. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not blaming Bianca. She's probably being told how to conduct herself. But I don't like it. And I want to see Sasha beat the shit out of her where Bianca's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to reach into my inner heel and be a bad bitch back to you too. Uh, you no know, more smiles and girlfriend and stuff like that. I, I didn't like seeing that. I hated that interaction. I don't know about you guys. So bottom line is they are going to lose because Sasha is going to jump Bianca during the course of the match. Hmm. Jeff? Yeah, um, I agree with Kevin that there's going to be some sort of mix up in this. Uh, the only thing I'm not sure is if Reginald, cost them the title or gets them the title uh, because 
Shayna and um, Naya, I think, are destined for a breakup. I've been saying that for a while, of course. Uh, but it looks like Shayna and Asuka is being set up for WrestleMania because it doesn't seem like things are going right with uh, Charlotte and Rhea. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm going to go on a limb and, and say that things don't work out for, for the best, the boss and the S. And the, the the heels retain. Reginald gets involved, and that causes a brouhaha between Sasha and Bianca. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with they retain. Yeah, I I think they're going to retain as well. But I want to say that I do enjoy watching Sasha Banks's. You, she's already planting seeds of her heel turn with these cackling like laugh laughter in the in the ring when she's talking to. Bianca, now, you know, this latest week, she's added this annoying, like, hair flip. Yeah. So it's like these subtle moves that I can appreciate is telling the story. So that way, once, you know, saying that she's Jordan to to her Kobe. I'll agree with you, Kev. I think the way uh, Bianca's been booked is too white meat baby face. She kind of is just ridiculous. And so I do want to see a little bit more edge to her. And hopefully when Sasha turns full heel, that we'll get that edge from her. Uh, because I think that's what's missing from this rivalry up until now. Any other thoughts on uh, this? No. All right. <laughs> no. Good. Uh, no. Uh, no, I, 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 I Reginald will be involved some. And I don't know what the fascination is with him. Um, you know, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, Circus Soleil, the wonderful, but they already have uh, guys, guys named uh, Lucha House Party who could do similar things. So, I mean, what's what the big, what's the big thrill you, about him? You know, let me ask you this, Kev. What did you think of the uh, the spot on SmackDown where N- Nia takes Reginald out shopping for clothes? Uh, I, I, I didn't care for because I don't care for his character, like at least at the very least, Santino. Because uh, this is what it reminds me of was at least funny in in certain segments. Uh, who was the other one? Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy who uh, was uh, with Carmella, the 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 scrub guy with the no chin. Ellsworth. Ellsworth. He at least uh, again there was some funny stuff. There was some funny interaction with him and Carmella. Uh, he was an independent wrestler, knew how to get some heat anyway from being on the circuit for a while. I don't know how much wrestling experience this guy has, and he's all smart. He's he looks like he could be maybe Kofi Kingston's cousin, like he has a similar face to Kofi, uh, with more hair. Uh, I, I don't really get the fascination with him. I'm, I'm one like what sold Vince on giving this guy a lot of camera time and putting him in a major angle with the top women on, on the major show. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get this. I don't get it at all. And Nia Jax is not someone to do comedy fodder with. I like it. I disagree. I love that segment and I, I do get it. I don't think he's that polished a wrestler, obviously, um, but he could get there. He moves like a cat. I mean, he's the closest thing they have to someone who moves as smoothly as Darby Allen. In fact, he, he moves more smoothly than Darby Allen. He just doesn't know how to wrestle yet. So once he knows how to wrestle, I think that's what they see. But I, I think it's funny. I mean, it's sort of a reversal of the usual where you have sort of the, uh, the males, uh, you know, hitting on the women and, and making them the girlfriend. And now you have, it's sort of like a reversal of that. And ah, I thought the shopping thing was hysterical. I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. 
I like Naya and Shayna mostly in that they don't really try to overact. They just are sort of deadpan and swarm smarmy and I don't know. I like it. So I guess you got some more thoughts out of me. You know what I liked about it was it reminded me of an old school, like an 80s produced backstage vignette. Like what, you know, like Ric Flair and uh, Miss Elizabeth or the ones Ted DiBiase was in. That's what it reminded me of because they don't do that more, uh, you know, anymore. So I, I that's why I liked it. Let's move on to the next match. Let's talk about the Intercontinental Championship, Big E versus Apollo Crews. Kev, what are your thoughts on uh, this matchup? Uh, if if Apollo Crews wins, I'll be happy. I'm not – Big E's another guy. I'm not sold on him at all. I thought that promo was horrible. I totally disagreed with Jason. When I was listening to him, I was actually yelling at the uh, screen – uh, great promo. I'm like, what, what, what are we watching here? I, I thought the promo was, uh, you know, I'm going to bulldoze your house. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Uh, you know, if he's trying to channel Dick the Bruiser from the AWA circa 1974, it was a good promo. Uh, other than that, I thought it was corny and stupid. He's got a dopey face. He makes dopey faces. He's not scary, uh, Big E. He's not, he's not scary. He's not intimidating like a Booker T or Ron Simmons. Um, I wouldn't be afraid think, of him. I don't think, do he's, think he's intimidating. I wouldn't be afraid of him. But do you think that's the way he carries himself? Like, let's say if if Lashley cut that <clears> same <throat> promo, would you feel intimidated? I would be. If Booker T cut that promo, I would be because I know I I don't believe like I. Plus, he's you know I again he's lacking the maybe even the voice, the bass voice that Ron Simmons or Booker T like. You know, you got the African American uh, guy who really portrays like this manliness, and he's going to kick your ass. And I don't get that from Biggie. I just kind of shake my head. Now Apollo is interesting because you know, uh, you know, I'm sure this gimmick, this uh, Nigeria thing, is a spin in some WWE twisted way of someone's on a Black Panther kick. Uh, for the comic book, and says, "Yeah, we can kind of make this guy like a, a a heelish superhero, and he's got his roots, and he's not really from here, and he's channeling his warriorness from his old country, and it's a total takeoff." And 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 like I said, in a left field type of way on the Black Panther character, and eventually they'll probably turn him good. Uh, and they got to do something with him because Apollo's clock is ticking. I think his contract's probably going to run out. Uh, and they got to do something with him. He's a, he's a, you know a can't miss prospect who's missed for the last four years. And you could say it's the way he's booked, but I think he has more upside than Big E. See, here's the thing about Big E: he can always go back to New Day, and there's no crime about that. Just like when Rick Steiner failed as a solo, he went back and teamed with his brother for a while. But then, unfortunately, his brother's like, "I want to go solo now." So again. Nothing wrong with being in a tag team. Nothing wrong with being the Rock and Roll Expresses. Nothing wrong with being the Freebirds. Uh, you know, these people are in the Hall of Fame, by the way. So Biggie is not there's, – there's this thing in wrestling uh, fans' minds that someone's got to be the Shawn Michaels of the team. That's something we put upon the wrestlers. That The wrestlers don't think like that. I've talked to wrestlers. They don't think like that. If someone gets a break, they get a break. There are people who do aspire to be a solo act, but most tag team guys are pretty content. Like the Revival guys in AEW, if you notice, they left together, they formed together, they started a new name together. They have no plans on splitting up anytime soon. They know that they are tag team guys. And I think Big E is a trio or a tag team wrestler, and so is uh, obviously Xavier Woods. Now, Kofi did get a run, but he's never going to get that run again. That was a one-off. It's not going to happen again. He's not getting the belt. But 
that's fine because they're in a faction that sells merch, that makes money, that makes kids happy, that makes people get up and dance. What's wrong with that? The Freebirds did it for many years. Terry Gordy would go to Japan and be a solo star in Japan, not here. And here, those guys' singles couldn't do shit, any of the three the Freebirds. Uh, Apollo needs the rub. He needs the win. Big E doesn't because Big E has a great option to go back to if this doesn't click. Apollo's only option is get released. You know what I'm saying? So the, mm-hmm. this has to work more for Apollo. Big E's not in trouble of losing his job. I think Apollo is if he doesn't get over him this time. So I'm going to go with Apollo. Give the, the Apollo needs the rub very badly. Going back to your, your thoughts on um, the Rock and Roll Express and um, – sorry, and um, – Freebirds. Oh. The Freebirds, and I want to call this guy Doc Hendricks, but it's Michael P.S. Hayes. And and, and, um, and throw, demo, throw Demolition in that mix, too. Throw demo, yeah. Smash on his own was garbage. Repo Man couldn't do shit. You, you know, know, the so difference again, is... Tag teams, are, it's, it's, factions are, are great, and people love them, and people rock the shirts. What's the problem? They are, but the problem nowadays is this goddamn social media where everybody's just like, oh, they should break them up, they should split them up. Don't you think that, like, if... if um if Gordy and, and Hayes were together now, there'd be people pining away on social media saying they should break up uh, Michael P.S. Hayes. I don't think this is this is bullshit. Why are they staying together? No, because Terry Gordy couldn't talk, you know, and Michael Hayes was a very limited wrestler. Michael Hayes, at best, could throw a good working punch at best. Couldn't do much of anything else at Moonwalk. And how, how many times can you do that? You know, Buddy Roberts was the bumping guy, but Buddy Roberts visually looked like shit. So no one, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he look, you know, he's the epitome of drunk uncle wrestling. You know what I mean? You know, get the most fucked up person in your family, like the most wackadoo cousin that you have, and that's Buddy Roberts. But but he could bump, he could he could work, you know. So again, uh, and I even looked at Midnight Express. Bobby Eaton never had solo success. Stan Lane never had solo success. Don, Don Dennis Condry was lucky he had tag team success. So again, there's if you're a wrestling historian. There's a great argument to be made, but unfortunately, when you post stuff like that, you get all these new generation people who just don't even know. They know the guy's names, but it's too much to research it. And they're, they're just, No, no, Big E's a solo star. And I'm just like, well, for all these reasons, he could stay in the tag team. No, he's meant to be. But what, what is, what's meant to be? Who says who? You, you're saying that. You know, his meant to be, obviously, was to be with the New Day, where he found success. Because if you remember before that, he wasn't doing anything. Did you see his documentary on, on WWE Network? He he thought he was going to get released when after he was uh, when AJ left the company, uh, CM Punk's wife, and he was split up with Dolph Ziggler and that faction. He fucking was was you know just totally drowning in in mediocrity for two years. So again, um, he found his niche, and that is the New Day, and that should be good enough. But Nope, we got to make a solo star because that's what people expect. Um, I agree with Kevin's history. I agree with his theory that tag teams don't need to be broken up. I don't really think it's the fans that did it. I think the fans do it now. I think that actually it was Vince who did that to us um, by convincing us there had to be a British Bulldog, there had to be a Shawn Michaels. Uh, He's sort of been obsessed with it and still is. Um, I agree that Big E has been sort of a little bit weird as a face. I've said that many times here, that he almost seemed like a secret heel. However, I disagree. I I actually thought this promo was his best promo work as a solo star. Uh, I do agree that he does have the safety net of always going back to the new day. 
Um, but I don't think that's going to happen yet. That said, I do agree that something's going to happen with Apollo. They invested in this character. It's a little bit risky in this era, even if it was his decision and he had input on it. It, I, you know, 20 years ago, it, it might not have been, but well, maybe then. I mean, you know, I think there's a big difference when Vince told Tony Atlas to come back as Saba Simba and everybody knew he was Tony Atlas. I mean, on top of all the other layers, even 18 or 19 year old Jeff knew something was wrong there, you know, beyond that going, what? I mean, aside from, from he, he's, he's not, you know, you know, this isn't him. It, it's because I knew who he was. I knew right. he was Mr. USA. I mean, none of it made sense to me aside from the fact that he's acting like, you know, a cartoon character from, from, you know, a 70s Scooby-Doo cartoon, which, you know, was bad enough as it is. Anyway, you know, it's different if this is his idea. It, you know, I don't know how much Wakanda it is that those parallels are going to be, you know, obviously inevitable. He's got his security guard. So he's got his J and J security type in there fatigues. I sort of like it. Uh, I think that Apollo does go over. I think he gets the title and the money's in the chase. And I think the Big E is the baby face chasing at WrestleMania. I would not be surprised though if they don't put somebody else in this match. Maybe the nuisance that is Sami Zayn. Maybe it's Baron Corbin who's been in a... If you haven't noticed, Baron Corbin's won about nine matches in a row and is sort of against Sami. So to put him in something probably wouldn't be... Or maybe like a fatal four-way where it's Apollo, Big E, Baron, and Sammy. I'm not trying to wish Baron Corbin on a, on a WrestleMania title match. I'm just suggesting that that may, you know that something like that may transpire. I do think Big E gets his title back though at WrestleMania, but I do think Apollo loses it at Fastlane. Baron Corbin bores me to death. I was at WrestleMania in Orlando, the last one that was in Orlando, and one of the opening matches was. Corbin versus Dean Ambrose. And I kid you not, mostly it's because I had a lot of fucking drinks before walking into the stadium, but I passed out during this match just mostly because it was Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin. I, I can't stand those guys. That and probably the two forties that I drank to walk in. <laughs> I'll, that'll, that'll, that'll do it. Yeah, that, that's a bad combination. And let this yeah. be a PSA for everybody. Don't watch a Baron Corbin match after drinking two forties. This is accurate. This is true. I have we I have pictures of me passing out. I look like weekend at Bernie's because I had sunglasses on. <laughs> totally. Um yeah, I think Apollo might win this. I don't know. I mean, I think he's definitely turning heads with this new gimmick. I like it. I like him being this killmonger type. Uh, guy with a chip on his shoulder. We always knew the guy could go in the ring. It's just he wasn't given his time. But I, I, I do want to take this time to mention, like, Apollo is a great story for those guys that are riding the pine right now, like Ricochet, Andrade, Aleister Black. Apollo was doing nothing for years. And here they finally gave him an opportunity Hey, here's five minutes. Make something of it. And he actually did it. So I think he's getting over with this heel turn. Again, it's a lot easier to be a heel than, than a face. But to be different and unique, and this gimmick is that for him. I mean, like I said, Bor I keep wanting to call him Bar Borbin because that's all he is, is to me is boring. So 
he's I like bourbon. the same. Let's call him bourbon from now on. Except he's, it's too close to bourbon, and I actually like bourbon. <laughs> he's just too just. I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me. Like he's just so. Okay, you're you're angry. You're an angry king. Steve, no, do not let yourself be distracted and saddened by Baron Corbin. I I take full responsibility for bringing his name into this conversation. But yeah, you need not follow in the path of my error. It's usually now Sami Zayn. I'm interested in because again, he's got this you know gimmick of where he's mm-hmm. like you know I don't know Rebel TMZ guy. Uh, you know, uh, well you know who walking. else could be someplace that's not really doing anything right now, but is sort of a top guy on that brand, and that's Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, match those two guys up. I mean, they're always fire together. Uh, Sami Zayn and Owens. Why not give them a WrestleMania spot? No, I'm saying put Kevin Owens in, in the Intercontinental in a, in a fatal three-way. But, yeah, I, you know, Apollo was a heel before. Now he's just uh, channeling his inner royal line and his bloodline, and I like it. There's another bloodline on the show that I like also, and I'm not really sure it's an accident that, that his supporter was Paul Heyman, who was part of another bloodline. So, yay, bloodlines. Good show. Oh, I thought you were gonna, you were going to tell me about the bloodline of uh, Aaliyah Mysterio. No, I was going to tell you about the bloodlines of the Nephilim and the Anunnaki, but oh, that's, no, 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 that's no, no, my no, other no, podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> I told you, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into that. I don't like I Alexa you, Bliss. I don't I like. I told uh, you, just like The Rock. It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the Big E thing, like I just think like the visual of him Again? just being a big bruising guy is. We're is... going back to the Big E thing. Really? I know. Yeah. Why not? I like it. I, I just like Big Biggie is a, is a big dude when he's doing these tope suicidas. Besides Keith Lee, who looks this fucking jacked and is doing those types of moves? Like the guy's almost broken his neck. Like how many count? How many times? Countless times. Well, Cage you know, could if if they let him not lose to children. Oh my God! Let's not listen. We'll get to the AEW thoughts, uh, and I'm interested to hear Kevin's thought on on that, but. Oh Jesus boy. fucking Christ. Like, they fucking bury this poor guy, Cage, and everybody else with Taz. Like, it's ridiculous. Hashtag fire Taz. Let's talk about this real, like, Haas match. Jeff and I have talked about this is a match that excites us a lot, and that's Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. Kev. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, God. Um, where do I start and how do I finish? Um Kevin, but, uh, what do you think happened last week where Shane was forgetting his lines? I think that he was trying to buy time. I think they screwed up in the back, and I think they were getting in the little earpiece that uh, go longer or cut it off or go, or go home or whatever. I, it looked like he was distracted. He was wearing an earpiece from what I was told, and uh, I was looking at some footage, uh, rewatched it, and you could tell that he's favoring uh, one side of his head, trying to almost hide it. He's almost like got his. Uh, it's it's you know he's very schooled and where the cameras are at and how not to look mm-hmm. head on. Uh, he looked distracted. He looked like someone was saying something to him. He just got taken out of his game. I don't think he forgot his lines. I think he just got tripped up. Is what happened. And they were buying time. And then when they had to go home, they had to rush it with the backstage thing. It was just a weird. It didn't click. And I think they just mashed it all together. And, ah, you know, we'll get him next week. But I didn't think they think people would would harp on it. I mean, all the podcasts were doing segment one of the worst segments of all time, and you hear that a lot. You know, worst segment of all time. It's it's a narrative that it, it's on many many shows. I mean, how many worse can there be? You know, worst of all time is that one or, or one of the worst you can say. But 
Uh, I've seen worse. I mean, let's be honest. I've seen um, worse this week. Yeah. So, uh, and Braun Strowman is a babyface heel, babyface heel hybrid, but not in a good way like Austin was because Austin was over. And I'm not, and this has nothing to do with the crowd being there. If anything, difference from Big E. Braun benefits that there's no crowd there because he'd be being, getting booed out of the building. And the back is saying, he's the babyface, Shane's the heel. And I'm sure that's what Vince is even probably saying. You're the he's the face, he's the baby face. You're calling him stupid. You're bullying him. We're gonna push mm -hmm. this bully thing, you know, that even big people get bullied, even people with muscles get bullied. I I can envision what Vince is saying to himself about this. You know, that that even people like Braun, even no matter how big you are, there's a bully for everyone. That's what they're going with this. Where do you think the payoff is? Like it, it obviously it's not, I mean, they're giving a Shane versus Braun at this fast lane pay-per-view, but this can't they can't carry this on to WrestleMania. Can they? I think they are. And I think it's going to go to hell in a cell. That's just my opinion. I think they're going to go to hell in a cell. Cause Shane did so well with Taker in the hell in the cell and did the uh, leap off the top. And hmm. Shane's Shane's got to do a spot. Now I don't have any evidence of that. It's just a guesstimation. You know, Braun Strowman is not, but my getting back to the, the thing about no crowd, it's good because he's not going to get the reaction that Vince probably wants from him which is a babyface reaction. Feel bad for the big guy. Even though he can, he's a big, tough man, he's being picked on. You know, so the, see, kids, everybody has their bully. Hmm. And and I'm like, but this, uh, that's not where that Braun Strowman needs to be. If he is going to be, unless he has been handpicked to be the new Big Show, which a lot of people are saying he's the new Big Show. And Big Show, heel, face, heel, face, gets beat up, beats people up. Joins the Hill faction, becomes a good guy, does comedy skits, then he's serious and mad. He's the new big show. And I was like, that's actually, that might be on point, you know? He's the new big show. I mean, I think the Labial said that. And then Big Show was going into what, 25 years in this business? <clears throat> or maybe it's not such a bad move. Here's my. Yeah, I, I, sorry, Jeff. I was going to ask yeah. that question. Is, is that a bad place to be, to, to be compared to Big Show? I think on a couple shows ago, I compared him to Kane. Right, you know, Kane had a couple of chances at the top. Was right. you know involved with the Undertaker. You know, had a couple title runs, but mostly you remember him as a tag team champion and in the mid card. But the guy has a longevity. He's got a tenured career in WWE. So, same thing with the Big Show. Is is there anything wrong with that? No, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I think that the fans didn't. The, the fans are harping on, and, and you know, in a way, this is what fans do. Remember when? Remember three years ago when this guy was the hottest thing, beating up Roman Reigns, Storm Roka? Remember that? What happened to that? And then you go, well, it was three years ago. Three years, long time. It's really not, though. I mean, I mean, how, what a downfall. Yeah. And then, he, you know, he beats Goldberg for the belt, but it doesn't mean anything. And only really because Roman Reigns refused to come to work. Yeah, right. He was second choice champion, right. And that probably took the air out of his sails because we knew that the beating Goldberg and being the Roman Reigns replacement was second banana. And fans always remember stuff like that. So now everyone's harkening back. Remember when this guy was the hottest thing? Yeah, but there's a lot. Of, remember when Aleister Black was the hottest thing in NXT? Remember when Andrade was going to be the, the the big when he you know he was he was going to go places? And mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen. And yeah, we could say, well, the, you know, this all goes back to creative. 
It does, but we also, and you guys can admit the same thing, we really don't know what goes on behind the scenes with these guys with their attitude and how they treat work people, the writer's relationship with them, how they have, what kind of decorum they have in the back. We, we, we think they're cool, but, you know, Alistair Black might be a big dick. We don't know that. You know what I'm saying? We don't know. I don't know him. Do you? I don't know him. Same, same thing with Braun. Braun might maybe have an attitude, and this is a check your attitude, and this is we're gonna bounce you around. You're gonna be dance. You're gonna be dressing up like an elf for Christmas, and then you're gonna come back, and then you're gonna turn on the new day, and then we're gonna give you another hiatus, and you're gonna come back. And guess what? Paul White did this for 20 years and loved it, and that's what you're gonna have. You're six ten, and this is all we can do with you. With a six foot ten, four hundred pound man of muscle, this is all we can do with you. You're our new giant. And he'll either say yes, or maybe in the back he's saying, "I don't want to be that. I want to be this bulldozer." And they're like, well, do this angle with Shane. Let's see if you can take being on the other side of being bullied. Now you're going to get bullied. Show no, the people I, that you can be sympathetic. I, I but think he's not I sympathetic, he's, though, guys. That's the whole thing. Are you feeling sympathetic for Braun? I'm not. No, no. I think I think Braun said yes when he signed the five-year extension of less than less than a year ago. He he knows what he's going to be. And Steve's question was earlier: Is it bad to be Kane or the Big Show? And my answer to him is. When you look at the span of a career in retrospect or after, you know, 15 years, the answer is obviously no. In moments, it may feel that way to the fans, but that's the right. fans. This is a job for Braun, and this is a well-paying job for Braun, which will almost certainly lead to other opportunities in movies and things like that, even if they're just WWE Marine-type movies. No. Here, here's what happened this past week. I mean, this is obviously something that, that we've all been dreading, and both Steve and I have adopted my fantasy booking, which is looking less and less likely all the time, but that's that Shane gets a champion, and that champion is Daba Kato to come in and mm -hmm. meet six foot nine guy against six foot nine guy and make Daba Kato look strong or, or whatever it is, uh, or maybe they become best friends and become the new brothers of destruction. What happened on Monday was that I actually found myself so annoyed with Braun and how stupid he was that they did the unthinkable, and I was rooting for Shane McMahon. I am fully in support of Shane McMahon. I think what happened was awesome. Ever, ever since he took that, that the camera and started beating the crap out of Braun with it, he did that elbow off the top turnbuckle through the announce table. He, he poured the, the slime on him, like, from You Can't Do That on Television from Nickelodeon, like, in 1997, two times. I mean, it, this, this, it was all fantastic. I loved every part of it. Braun's, like, having seizures. Like, <laughs> Shane's grabbing by his beard. Don't ever do that. I'm a McMahon. And then he hit him again in the ear. It was like, I'm like, Shane, hit him again. Hit him again. Kill him. So they they did the unthinkable. They made me root for Shane McMahon. That said, yes, Braun will probably win some match, which means Shane will need something to get over. Almost is already taken, so I'm thinking Dabo Kato, and maybe he'll bring back that that Indu share to as a little uh, you know as a little group in there. So maybe a, a, a big uh, threesome group there, um, which is a terrible choice of words. Um, <laughs> To uh, to attack and pummel Braun, and there's some sort of handicap match. Maybe he brings in, I, I don't know, I don't know who he brings in, but maybe some tag team that's not doing anything, and it's it's like a three way match, and you know Braun and the heels, you know, go face, but Daba definitely doesn't take the pin. Maybe maybe it's Lucha House Party or or you know random jabroni, you know, semi winning team, you know, a. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much thoughts. I mean, I think. 
at Fastlane, I think Shane's going to take an L here. And like, I'm hoping that he has to lean on somebody to get revenge. And that guy is Dabakato. That's the only payoff that makes sense to me. I mean, who, nobody uh, wants to see Shane McMahon get over. Nobody wants to see Braun. Uh, yeah, Braun, you know, maybe he could use a couple L's. He's, you know, hasn't had significant wins in the past recent history. But, I mean. Well, almost is busy. I think. Lars is gone. So, who else is there? I think Braun is in a good enough position going back to this comparison of, you know, he's, a, you know, starting to step into this Kane territory of, He's already, you know, established as a big man and you buy him as a serious threat. This is why everybody's like, he should be in the world title picture to take him seriously. Um, this guy can take a couple L's and and still look, you know, strong. You know, if if he takes an L to Dabakato at WrestleMania, no sweat off Braun's back. I mean, put him back together at SummerSlam and get Braun's, his win back. That's it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to talk about this thing. Um, let's talk about Drew. This is the real the real Hoss match. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. These guys have had two hell of a uh, of a matches um, on Raw, and here you have a third one. I know there's a lot of criticism about why would you announce Drew McIntyre versus Lashley for the World Championship and then put Drew in this match? It makes no sense. But it, if you really love wrestling, yeah, it makes sense. They had two great matches. Why not see a third? Why not see it at Fastlane? I don't understand the the wrestling internet community. They match up well together, but um, again, it's Sheamus is is seen in a light kind of like uh, certain other people who who've been on the losing end for a long time, and it's hard to all of a sudden accept. That oh you know it's bad you know he's with Cesaro's with you know, uh, you know kind of like the the Dolph Ziggler effect, he's here he could be a factor we know he's good, uh, we know he's he's a powerful guy he's still relatively young he's still around forty or hovering at forty, which is young for wrestling, and uh, he's a seasoned veteran he's a strong tough guy he's liked behind the scenes Sheamus, uh, he's a lifer in WWE in my opinion I think he'll he'll finish out his career here. So, you know, they got a strike. I don't know if the iron's hot, so to speak, for him right now. But um, Drew can't lose to him. So I think, you know, maybe it's something like Kevin Owens, who was on the receiving end of the losing to Roman Reigns, but it got him over in a way with the fans, and he's still a top guy. I'm doing finger quotes. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that'll be Sh- Shane, uh, Sheamus, Shane, Sheamus's situation when it comes to Drew, that he took him to the max, that he could beat him. He just came up short. And Drew is more the hot hand, so they're going to push him more in the title picture with Lashley. Unless they do a, th- a three-way with Sheamus, Drew, and Lashley. I was thinking, and I was hoping it's not The Miz after, but now I'm starting to more and more see that clearly the match at WrestleMania uh, is going to be Miz and Morrison versus Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. It's almost mm-hmm. a given. It's a given. It's a given. So I don't. I, I, I blew the alarm bells last night too early when I saw Miz come out and go, you know, it'd be great if we had a three so in WrestleMania and we fought. I was like, oh God, are they really teasing this? <laughs> so so I'd rather see Sheamus and maybe there'll be a fucked finish where that does happen and there is there's, there's a lot of three 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 ways and uh 
uh, WrestleMania. You know, maybe that's what needs to happen. Obviously, because some people say, and you guys might have heard it. I'm not sure what podcast you either one of you listen to, and you're off time without over blow, blowing the horns of any of these guys because Lord knows they don't plug us. Um, I would say that uh, you know maybe Sheamus is already factored in. We're just not seeing it right now, but something will happen to Fastlane where it becomes a, a three-way dance. And maybe that's what needs to happen because they work so well together. Maybe Lashley, they can hide his inadequacies, so to speak, in the ring. The three, these three big bulldozers, these three huge men, where the smallest man is 6'4". I mean, think of the concept of that. Smallest man is 6'4", 255, legit, right? The, the average guy, you know, all those guys between 250 and 300 pounds and all over 6'4 yeah. to 6'6. Six, six. Uh, Drew, Drew being the tallest. Um, but they're, they're all, what, what a slugfest that would be, literally. So I'm thinking this match is going, maybe will bring Sheamus where people will see, well, Sheamus again took Drew to the limit. And Sheamus, all of a sudden, you know, they do the thing, they come out on Monday Night Raw. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna finish this between the three of you guys. We're gonna put you in the ring with each other. Winner take all. This is the last match between the three of you, and that's how they do it. But the, my worry is, boy, Lashley might not retain if that's the case. So yeah. I I worry about the three way dance because if that's the if they do a three way dance, here's my prediction, and th no one has said this. Uh, and again, just being a wrestling fan, uh, no knowledge, just me saying it. Uh, if they do a three-way dance, Lashley is the least likely to come out with that title. It'll either go on Drew or Sheamus if they do the three-way dance. Lashley is the odd man out. If they do a one-on-one, -on -one, Lashley retains. It's just my thought process. I don't think so. I think that the reaction that they've gotten from Lashley has been surprisingly positive, and I don't think they're that dumb. Um, I'm looking I, forward to this match. I think that, that Sheamus and Drew have delivered. I, actually, I think Sheamus has delivered – I don't know, for probably six, seven, eight months, um, both on SmackDown and on Raw. He's this this might be the best year performance-wise of, of his career. Um I think that Drew wins. Uh, and if he doesn't, I don't think that it's gonna be because Sheamus is in the three-way in WrestleMania. He's he's just not that guy anymore. This is my dark horse. If Drew loses, it's because of Brock Lesnar. If Drew wins, Brock Lesnar keeps does clobber him and says, you're the number one contender. No, that's my title, and that's the three-way. Oh, but I, I would love it. But I still think Lashley wins. And then the dark, dark horse. No, uh, is is that if he's healthy and if he's back and if he's got a new attitude, uh, and maybe uh, maybe Keith Lee, and then maybe you have a little shenanigans with in WrestleMania. It looks like he's going to put the finishes on Lashley, but it turns out he's actually with the Hurt business, and it becomes a. a two-on-one schmaz at the end, and Lashley retains, and, and Keith Lee uh, leaves with the Hurt Business, and then he goes after his old nemesis, Riddle, for the U.S. title. Th this is, of course, not just fantasy booking, but this is Jeff to the, you know, exponent fantasy booking, because this is all I've been talking about for, I don't know, six years now. So uh, I realize that this is unlikely, but it's no less likely than anything else. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Drew wins here. Uh, Sheamus is not in the WrestleMania main event picture, you know, no matter what happens. I will see what happens. Definitely. I I think a couple months back we heard rumors of uh, Trip Vince having this idea of Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, and Keith Lee, but Keith Lee obviously, um, you know, to your point, Kevin, 
you know, I think that things happen backstage, you get feedback. And depending on how you respond to that feedback, you either continue getting pushed or get put on pause. And Keith Lee, we haven't seen him since well before Royal Rumble. So obviously the rumor back then was Vince told him, you got to learn how to work like a big man and you got to lose some weight. And approaching Royal Rumble, we saw Keith get leaner, but we, you know, then he had uh, COVID and I think that lost some steam as well. So, you know, it's tough to say where Keith Lee fits in this, but I think the idea of the triple threat is still in Vince McMahon's head. And if they just replaced Keith Lee, Lashley with Keith Lee or vice versa, you know, I think that's an epic WrestleMania main event. Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, and, and Lashley. Yeah, Drew McIntyre, Lesnar, Lashley. All three of those guys, that's a heavy-hitting uh, card right there. Yes. In and of itself. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's either you know Jeff. Hopefully, we see Brock Lesnar. If not, I think we're going to see Lashley probably cost Drew the match just to add some more spice into this um, this feud. Could be uh, that that I mean that that is certainly more traditional and recent WWE schmas booking, which I mean wouldn't be terrible if the plan is Lashley and Drew. You may as well make it hot and then, you know, maybe have a no DQ or a MMA rules or something, you know, some stipulation to make it more violent or more visceral for WrestleMania. But right. yep. Uh, you know, I, I think that yours sounds more reasonable than mine. I just want mine more. Copy. Let's, let's talk about this, this supposed intergender match between Alexa bliss and Randy Orton. <sighs> Alexa has been tormenting and, accosting poor randy orton uh she's given him apparently she's i guess hit up papa shango for his secret recipe of mouth ooze and uh now randy is uh, can't stop spitting and stuff like that cultural appropriation i say <laughs> kev what do you think about the build-up to this when are we going to see the fiend what, what's what's going on here well, the fiend is, I think, coming back for WrestleMania unless he does. One um, is the the pay per views this Sunday, right? Uh, I think he could make a, a half ass appearance. I think they're going to really want to reveal him his new outfit. He does have a new look. Uh, word is he's got a completely new look. You're not even going to recognize him from word on the street, uh, which is cool. You know, I great new mask, new coat. Got rid of the clown pants, got rid of the tight little leather jacket, uh, you know, got rid of the fabulous ones jacket. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't that crazy, by the way, about the clown pants. I, I wasn't. I thought he could have did a little bit better. And I also noticed, uh, you know, you guys probably noticed, too, he was starting to get fat again. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Oh, well, you obviously haven't been listening to the show. Okay, I don't, I don't listen oh, to my yeah, own because, because Jeff's theory has been for weeks that Bray is not recovering from burning. Bray is recovering because he isn't burning enough calories. That's and probably him, it, yeah. And I think him and Keith are both uh, sweating with the oldies, and they're <laughs> going to go. They, they both were ordered to come back two XL sizes smaller. That's Bray I mean, has that's, got to come back in muscle man dance form. I don't think that. I don't think that that's. The, I think the fiend character was dying a death already, a, a slow death. Um, again, you know, I go back to Great Muda. 
uh, he was a diff within a year, his character changed too. Uh, from the face paint to the type of mist he blew out to the presentation of the Muda uh, with the, with the, um, uh, what did the headdress over his head? He was wearing this uh, headdress and then he started wearing almost like he was ahead of the COVID mask thing, uh, wearing a mask over his face where his eyes just showed. Um, so again, uh, it evolved. So there's nothing wrong with that because people are like, but the fiend is only around two years. Is it time already for an attire change? Doesn't that seem very quick, Ev? And I'm like, no, I, I, to me, I, I again, you know, demolition. If you remember, you guys remember when they added crush and they started wearing the the uh, masks. And yes. I listen, a lot of people didn't like that, but they felt, even though it was only two and a half years, they added a member and they, you know, it got a little stale. Sometimes people like again, and today's day and age, things get old real quick. You know what I mean? Who's winning the match? That's Well. Uh, the, the point being is it's a setup. It's a booby trap for Randy, oh. which will carry. There's not going to be a match. It's not going to take place. It's going to be a fuck situation. Nothing will happen except for a booby trap for Randy. Uh, and I the, un, the weird thing to me about this, again, going back to the Shane Braun thing, who is the baby face here and who is the heel? You think it's Randy's the heel, but... If you really look at this from a big spectrum, he really isn't the heel, you know. I, I how is he the heel? You know, again, uh, they're not. What's what's in redeeming about, you know, Alexa Bliss attacked Oscar and attacked babyface women, and she jumped her friend Nikki. And isn't she a heel too, guys? Do you see where I'm going oh, with yeah. it? Aren't they all heels. There's no yep. uh, sympathetic figure here, so. Uh, and again, I could deal with that in the Attitude Era, like when uh, Mankind would fight Austin, they were both heels uh, back in 97. Uh, you know, Shawn Michaels as a heel was fighting Mankind, who were both heels back in those days. Uh, and again, it, it was fine. But for, for some reason, I'm having a harder time not having the distinction between who's not that I even cheer for the baby faces necessarily, but I just like to kind of know what, what, what's this supposed to be? What's the story here? It's just all it's all muddied. You know, and I just don't like it. Everyone's like, oh, gray area, Kev. It's like gray area. It's not. It's just that they don't know how to tell the story. Isn't that a difference of gray area? Isn't that a lame, like an excuse for the writers? <laughs> we, we just don't know. How, Kev, to be honest with you, we don't know what we're doing. I wish well, someone you, would come out and say that. It would be kind of funny, right? If they if said, you listen to my uh, spirit daughter, Girl on Cinema, she, very, she said that exact same thing today, that if she is confused who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, it's because the booking is shit. I, I, you know, to me, I think that again, the writers have to be more clear cut about, uh, you know, what, what's the story here? You do need a villain and a baby face. You can have a gray area, but when everything is gray, it doesn't make anything special. That's the best way I could put it. I think it's just there's other this problem that like the story's been stretched out since what Survivor Series? We're almost going Survivor on Series since since three years ago when Randy burned down his cabin. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I can understand like, oh, you know, <laughs> these fucking guys get drunk on the uh, term long-term storytelling. But we, we, we've been seeing the same shit drawn out for like the last three, four months. Like it's it's getting stale. Because he's too fat. All right. Well, I don't know. Come up with something else. Come up with, uh, you know. They did. Alexa possessed a witch. <laughs> I don't know. Come, 
That's come great. up with brother, come up with uh, I don't know, uh, brother Tom or something like that. I don't know, somebody else. Where you mean, what's, Dallas Minifee? Yes. What's what's Bray doing except for fucking what is he starting a tax firm and well, and knocking you know, knocking up live? What's going on? You, you know what I would have done? I would have I would have found four wrestlers who were doing nothing and made them the puppets come to life and then and had this going on. My little dungeon of doom led by Alexa. It would have been amazingly terrible, but so terrible it would have been good. Yep. You're all right. However, I don't think that the Fiend character got old on its own. I think the Fiend character got old because the Fiend character kept losing in matches where the Fiend character shouldn't have lost. Hell in the Cell, Goldberg, the, the, the list goes on and on. Swamp match. Fiend, the Swamp match was sort of like ambiguous, but that didn't help anything. Um, he, the Fiend match certainly should have, the Fiend certainly should have won the Inferno match. But all of that said, yeah, th this is obviously a schmoz match. I don't know if it's going to be all magic and hocus pocus and Randy, you know, has a ultimate warrior kind of reaction to Papa Shango and it never happens, or if this is The Fiend's return. But whatever it is, obviously we're getting The Fiend and Orton at WrestleMania uh, to give him another couple of months to uh, get rid of that last uh, pesky 15. Let's hope so, because I'm, I'm really getting tired of this shit. Like, I know, it's... I, I love Alexa's her portrayal of this. You it's, just like her uh, on her knees in a pentagram. Shush. I just I hope that she actually paints a pentagram with saltpeter in the ring, puts it on fire, and like there's a force field that they that they put on cinematically. He can't get to it, and like she shoots him with like Emperor Palpatine lightning, <laughs> and, and, and then he gets that sunburn back again, which goes away a week later because he's Wolverine. Whatever, whatever it is. This match is gonna be a schmoz. Just make it entertaining. I don't care. Right. I like that. Why don't you bring back Bray as uh, not Bray, uh, the brother? What's his face? Bo. Bo. Yeah. Bring bring back Bo as uh, Salt Peter. There you right, go. Right. Right now, somewhere Bo is saying, "Shh, don't tell anyone I'm still on payroll." Shut, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, "Steve, shut the fuck up. Nobody knows I'm here." Shut he's the, the fuck up. He's the fucking guy in office space with the stapler. He's like, he's exactly the, no, not even. He he's the guy that when when there's a two man janitor crew, he puts on a maintenance outfit and pretends it's a three person janitor crew. And they're like, oh good, we got more help. And he's like, yeah, I'm the new guy, and no, nobody asks, nobody cares. <laughs> like I got the toilets. Don't worry, guys. Oh my god, you're hilarious. Um, all right, guys, two more. Good. I have inside information. I have friends at NXT also, but they tell me, and this is and this is this is all fact. I have friends at NXT too. They tell me that the Fiend's coming back in uh, Goldust's ass chaps. Is this accurate? Anybody else hear the same rumor? He's, no? he's coming back as a king, the African dream. He's coming back <laughs> even fatter. The problem wasn't that he was too fat. It's that he's too skinny. <laughs> he's going to come back with a boo moo. He's coming back as the thing. His hair actually used to get long enough to be tentacles. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's going to be Cthulhu the blob. Let's talk about Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. We talked about the potential of WrestleMania being a triple threat between Lashley, Drew, and either Sheamus or Brock. And now I'm starting to hear rumors again about this match turning into a three-way at WrestleMania between Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Edge. Um. I guess let's start there, Kev. What have you heard as far as that? Do you buy into those rumors, or do you think it's still going to be a one-on-one -on -one match between Roman Reigns and Edge? And if it is going to go to a three-way, 
what does that mean about Edge and the potential outcome? I think Edge is getting the title, and he'll pin Daniel Bryan to do it. So Reigns remains strong. Uh, if it's a three-way, Reigns is dropping the title. I hate to say it. Uh, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. Um, but they are going to justify uh, edges, uh, unlike Rob Van Dam and Chris Jericho, who are of similar age and wrestle for major Freds or still spotlighted feature wrestlers. Edge is not here to put anybody over. Not yet. He's not ready to walk away from being that guy. He's not going to be the top guy for very long, but he's not here to just put people over. He is here to win the championship, and I believe he's going to win it at WrestleMania. But uh, they found a way to not let Reigns take the pen because Daniel Bryan wants to retire in a year. Everybody knows it. He's made it very clear. He is uh, very content with his life. He can leave tomorrow if he wanted to. Out of the three of them, the most guy who's like, hey, I'll do anything. I don't care. I'm, I'm calling it a day very soon is Daniel Bryan. And he does also Daniel Bryan uh, is not campaigning to be the champion again. Uh, he just wants to help. As you know, he's helping writing and being creative in SmackDown. On the, on the team, Edge is doing helping too. That's the interesting part about them working together. And they're going to find a way to keep Rain strong. So I, I think Edge is, you know, you want to win some money, and they do take bets on wrestling, believe it or not. Uh, bet that if it's a three-way, Edge is winning the title. I've never been so sure about anything in my life. Wow. No. So you can take that one to the bank or, or Las Vegas or your favorite offshore uh, sports book of your choice. Hmm. Well, I think here at Fastlane, obviously, they already teased that Edge and Daniel Bryan are not going to exactly get along swimmingly. Right. So, you know, so Roman Reigns retains. If we're going forward to WrestleMania, I'm not so sure. I think the same story persists, even if it's a three-way and that they sort of neutralize each other. I'd keep the belt on Roman, but I don't know. But we're talking about I, I would, I would too. I, I'm not, and I'm an Edge fan since day one. But uh, I also know that his time has come. What is this leave on your own terms? You did leave on your own terms. You wrestled in WrestleMania, beat Del Rio for the belt, and you win the Hall of Fame. What, what's How's that leaving on you? This leave on your own terms thing just gets on my nerves. You know, from Christian now, too. What not leave on your own terms? Who gets to leave? I ask any Major League Baseball player. They didn't have a home run their last bat. Everyone, you know what? Let's keep let's keep pitching to Piazza till he gets that bench clearing home run. But but I'm 61. Don't worry about it. You'll get that hit eventually. I mean, it's ridiculous. I to leave on your own terms. I certainly didn't leave my last show on my own terms. So I mean, I was on it for 17 <laughs> years. So again, what, what what is this? Leave on your own terms. Where in life does that take place? I've, I'm sure both of you guys have left jobs or been even going back to a teenage job. I don't care if you work in a or escorted out by security. Right, you didn't you didn't leave everything on your own terms, including pr probably some relationships you didn't leave on your own terms in the past. So again, very, very uh, few. I, yeah, me too. Me, I, that was another one I didn't have a decision because I'm watching my couch go out the front door. So again, I didn't, I couldn't do anything about it. But, can I ask uh, you a question? Do you do either of you? And this is to whichever Steve can boy, decide. Boy, I got real passionate about that question, didn't I? You did. Yeah, well, you're yeah, passionate yeah. about everything. You bring the passion. Yeah, but my question is, does Christian being with AEW affect anything? Does, does that change anything? Or does WWE just do what WWE is going to do? Or 
Are they more likely to put the title on edge to say F you Christian, or are they more likely to not put the title on edge so nobody thinks they're just doing that to say F you Christian? No, it's nothing to do with Christian. Christians, I mean, we talked about it before, the Shawn Michaels. Uh, you know, if you want to give an example of VNC and the, who's the Shawn Michaels and who's Marty Jannetty, I'm sorry, but Christian is Marty Jannetty by default because Edge has three to four times more titles and success than Christian has had. And yeah, Christian there was never a war where Marty Jannetty went to a competitor. No, but Monty Gennetti also had a ridiculous drug problem, but, um, you know, and he couldn't be trusted. But Christian was a great soldier, but Christian was very unassuming and very quiet and very to himself. And just So you're honest. saying onward, oh. Christian soldier? Yeah, Chris, Christian is not a factor in anything. I would say that's why WWE wished Big Show well publicly and didn't say anything to Christian. That's how they think of him, unfortunately. Again, I think everyone's too nostalgic about, uh, you know, their favorites and think everybody mm -hmm. holds holds them in the regard that we all hold the same regard that you do for your favorite. In in the annals of history, they might not make the Hall of Fame. Now, Christian will make the Hall of Fame, but it's going to be a while now because he pissed off the WWE. He might be about 60 when he gets in, but that's the price you pay when you do what you do. But again... Kevin, let, Kevin, let me ask you a quick question because this, this is uh, an important question, and this sure. prove the distinction that I think you're trying to make. If... Does Edge make the Hall of Fame without Christian? Well, yeah, because his whole solo career was longer. ENC wasn't together as long as we like to think that they were. Okay, Edge now let me ask. Now let me ask the the reverse. Does Christian make the Hall of Fame without Edge? Probably not. No, because okay. Christian was also the last guy to join uh, with Gangrel. The you know Christian always was the you know even with Gangrel. I mean, Gangrel was supposed to be the leader, and then he got knocked off by Edge. But Christian was always seen as second banana or third wheel, second banana or third wheel. So Christian can talk, and Christian was, you know, the Captain Charisma thing is almost, almost like a goof when you think about it because he's not very charismatic. You know, so I always thought that that was kind of almost like a goof on himself. Captain Charisma, really? Can you name a epic Christian promo that you remember mm -hmm. or verbatim? Nope. Can you? I can't. Can you, Jeff? I can't remember. I forgot who we're talking about. Christian, can you remember? <laughs> I, that was that was my version of a joke. No. Yeah. No, no. But can you can you remember anything epic? No. You can no. all remember, you know, great promos no. by a lot of people. I can't. I can't even go to YouTube and think of what was that night that Christian said that thing and the crowd was going crazy. I don't remember him doing that. No, so Chris, that's Chris a problem. Is, is the perfect metaphor for AW. He's the second banana. He never made it until he went to AW 1.0, which was TNA on his own. And he was always in the shadow of someone bigger, be it Edge or, or whatnot. And he and he's undersized, not exactly a great promo, not a terrible promo, but sort of like a high flyer kind of guy. Uh, and he's if he's not a metaphor or the spiritual forefather of AW, I don't know who is. But, <laughs> spiritual forefather. But uh, uh, I, I think that somewhere in here, I might not have said that I think Roman retains at Fastlane. Oh, and one of these pay-per-views I'm going to be right, and this is going to be the one, and it's not going to be WrestleMania. Jimmy Uso comes back and is the difference maker. He'll be back, but I don't know what a difference, if he'll be that much of a difference maker. Well, I mean, he's got a, you know, a super kick or something. No, the thing is, Kevin, I've predicted Jimmy Uso's return for pay-per-views going back to December, coming back. And so oh, okay. it's it's sort of like a running gag where eventually Jeff will be right. Yeah. I think it's going to finish with, uh, you know, Edge. Whoever ends up being, you know, it's going to be Edge. The the special guest referee, you know, Edge is going to screw over Daniel Bryan. 
course. And, you know, there's going to be some sort of tumultuousness. I just don't want to see two potential heavyweight title matches end up as a three-way. And I, you know, hoping I know Vince, he's not going to book both of them to be a triple threat match. Right. But, you know, you never know. But, never know. Well, you never know. But that's a good thing, right? Like for us to be like, hey, we've got to tune into Fastlane. You know, I know there's a lot of uh, complaints lately in the community of why do we need pay-per-views back in the old days when it was Royal Rumble and then WrestleMania? It was perfect. Yeah. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, we got extra wrestling. Come on now. Who doesn't like extra innings? It's Unless true. you're the Mets fan. Who doesn't like extra helping of, uh, you know, uh, French fries? You know, we all love extras. There you go. Like, come on. Everybody just fucking bitches to bitch. Jesus. And, and, it's, and that's the first Peacock pay-per-view, so expect something big to happen. Yeah, so that's the fast lane predictions. But since we have you here, Kev, I just want to get some random thoughts. I was scrolling sure. through your Twitter, so I, I, I see you're very opinionated and vocal on a couple things. So I want to oh, just yeah. pick your brain on some stuff. Let's start with Damian Priest. Um, what are your thoughts on Damian Priest and how he's been booked? I think since right before the last, I think the last time we had you on was December. So we really haven't seen Damian Priest on the main main roster. What are your thoughts about his come up and uh, you know how he's doing so far? Well, you know, he's with, the, the, you know, and I take little shots at Bad Bunny too, mostly because my ignorance to what he really means to the music community. But uh, he brings notoriety. He sold thousands of T-shirts, which is very impressive for a guy who's, uh, is he on the roster? I almost kind of think he is. And even after last night, he had a lot of interaction. Uh, he's got the 24-7 belt. And uh, again, um, he's proud to be associated with wrestling. He's not hiding it. When he goes out and won't talk about it, hush, hush, that's a little embarrassing thing I'm doing. He's into it. And yep. uh, Damien Priest and him, what I understand, become legitimate good friends uh, behind the scenes. And that's good for Priest, having a mainstream friends going out in the town with Bad Bunny in Florida, going to these clubs in Miami with whatever the clubs that are open. Well, now Florida, I think, will be opening fully soon like Texas. Um, and uh, that's good for Damien Priest, very good for him. Uh, you know, it's, and he's got the confidence. He's got the swagger. I was joking. This kid's got it. And then people were like, he's 37, Kev, he's 38. I know that it was a joke. That's why I called him kid. I'm still almost 15 years, his senior, but you know, no matter how old he is. So, uh, I think he's got it. You know, he's got the height. He's got the look, not a bad looking guy. So you got, uh, something for the girls there, uh, mm -hmm. for the, for the kids, he's, tattooed up and a large larger than life type of guy he seems very friendly i've heard good things about him from cross uh behind the scenes he's very supposedly uh priest is a very nice guy yep. uh a new yorker a native new yorker so we can all appreciate that uh grew up in the bronx then lived in puerto rico went back to the bronx and back to puerto rico he's back and forth from a few family reasons of moving uh but yeah i like that too he's you know new york guy native um and you can kind of hear it in his voice by the way when he talked mm -hmm tell he's from new york um and again i think uh you know he's not just uh trying to you know get over with the bariquas and the latin community he's he's for everybody i don't think they're trying to because like oh they're putting him in this bed but I, I, wasn't he like this guy of the night and the night what does he have to do with that no it actually plays into it because if you think about it like people are trying to dissect what his character was he was like a nightclub guy and he was going out in the nighttime and going to the clubs and stuff this plays perfectly for his character and they're like well when bad bunny leaves what does he do 
It's like people are like, isn't this kind of setting him up for a problem? Can he fly in his own? You got to remember something. Punishment Martinez has been around for a long time. He's not a newbie to this business, this guy. This guy's been in the business 15 years, you know? So he's been around. He's toured the world on Independence. He was in Ring of Honor for a few years and spotlighted matches. He's not some babe in the woods. He'll be fine. My God, the, the, you know, this this guy must be floating every night. I think Damien Priest is is a guy that you can count on. As much as I believe Cross is going to be a mainstream star, I believe Priest is going to be a mainstream star just as much, but in a different way. I think Priest will be fine. I, 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 think, he, I think he has mostly everything. He's a little bit lanky, but that doesn't matter in this era. It really matters to me, but, but he's tall enough and he's athletic enough. And he's got he's got the look and the swagger. I think he's a better heel than a face, but who yeah. isn't? Oh uh, yeah, uh, it'll, it'll be like a Razor Ramon, you know, baby face, heel, baby face, heel. It'll go back and forth. You know what I mean? He yeah, reminds I, me a lot of Scott Hall. He really does. I, I could see him also fitting into any number of factions easily. Yeah, or uh, starting or starting a faction down the road. All right, guys, let's move on to um something that's very controversial uh that happened over the weekend. We had Miro tweeting at uh, Jim Cornette that he's uh, looking to kick his ass if he says anything about Penelope Ford. Apparently, I guess Miro took exception with the fact that Jim has been calling Penelope Ford a slut. I haven't heard the audio myself. I did. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on, on this whole thing? He really thing? didn't call her a slut. What he called her was like Penelope Pitstop, who's a cartoon character from like the, the early to mid-70s, who was not a slut. But I guess these guys are young enough that they didn't know that. Penelope Pitstop was sort of a, a, a damsel in distress, but she was also always got out of trouble, sometimes with help, sometimes without. In any event. Think, of, think of that last name, guys, for a second. Penelope, Penelope Pitstop. Pitstop. Right, it, was, it sounds it was, like a sexual connotation. That's what it sounds like. Well, well we she, know we know that it's not, but it can sound like that. You know I guess, I mean? but you could just watch the cartoon. I mean, she was a, a race car driver, and a car broke down I mean, a lot. Yeah, we we know that, but again, I, they, you know, do you think the, these woke uh, people have any time to do stuff like that? Yes. Uh, uh, then they would have they, tweeted me yesterday about Maki Ito. They have all the time in the world. But let me just finish because you know that that's <laughs> that's what he, that's what he called her. And then he went on to say that they put Miro with this guy who looks like he's in middle school with the slutty girlfriend. So he wasn't calling her slutty. He was just saying that's the gimmick, and it sort of is. She's the hot girlfriend. The I mean, he, he could have chosen a better word. He sort of, sort of said the hot or the mean cheerleader or whatever, but he chose slutty. So he chose that word, whether he thought about it or just came out. But it was like an analogy. It wasn't a direct she's a slut. But, I mean, this is total overblown. It's Jim Cornette. That's what happens. Miro saying, I'm going to go to your house and beat you up in your basement is dumb. I mean, Miro clearly doesn't know that Jim has over 200,000 subs on YouTube. And, uh, I mean, he makes a living basically going to the post office and selling his merch. Um, but uh, he uh, was going on about explaining what he meant and who Penelope Pitstop. And Brian uh, uh, Last, his partner, was kind of chiming in, but not really. Jim didn't really need any help from what I heard. I mean, I heard a good chunk of it. And Jim was, you know, defensive. He, he, he fought, fired back. He didn't apologize. There was no apology in sight. 
Um, and he basically uh, then really focused on uh, Pip, as he called him, Kip, because Kip wished death on him, and they had the recording of Kip saying that he's going to be very happy when Jim dies. He's actually going to have a celebratory thing, which I thought was really harsh. I heard the I heard the clip on Sunday when Solo Monster used it for the intro of his show, and uh, then it started making the circuit on Sunday. And um, I was kind of, you know, when I've heard people wish death on people before, but I, I just, when someone goes, no, I'm really serious, I'm going to be happy that he dies. I, again, I, we had some pretty wild times on DTKC, and we've said some stupid shit and crazy stuff, not even at each other. I mean, when we feuded with wrestlers like Bubba Ray and, you know, Perry Saturn and other people that we went back and forth with over the years, uh, whether it was DT or me and DT or DT on his own. But no one, I never recall Anthony saying in his worst day on the air, uh, no, no, Kevin, I really wish, I really hope he dies. Because I would probably really be taken aback by that. I'd be like, all right, dude, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not partaking in that. I, I can't do that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, again, make fun of the wife. Oh, your girlfriend is this and that, ugly, blah, 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 fat. Blah. Okay, but uh, no, I really want, I'm really hoping you die. There's something really, there's something a little demented about that. I'm sure you guys agree. And when you make it clear mm -hmm. that you're not kidding, you really hope, I'm not kidding. I really hope this guy dies of whatever illness or disease. It's it's too far, man. I'm sorry. If you ask me if this is too far in podcasting, that's too far. And I just didn't care for it. Now, Jim wished death on Vince Russo. Let's not forget that. And Jim doesn't <laughs> deny that. But there was something comical about the way Jim said it. Because Jim, Jim is almost in a wrestling promo. What Kip did was talking off the cuff like he's talking to his boys. Really hope that guy dies it's different than let me tell you something you son of a bitch blah, blah, blah. you know it's 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 jim is is whooping it up like cornet yeah style, where this guy is talking like deadpan like you know he's in a being interrogated by the cops yeah i wanted him dead it's true i i meant it you know and i'm like but dude he just called you a name dead you want him dead i mean what are we doing here this is, i said that a long time ago in dtk so i was getting disgusted with uh, the way things were going, it, just in general with wrestling landscape and stuff. I, a couple of times just stopped on the show and go, what are we doing here? Like, what, what is what is this? What are we doing? The point being is I think Cornette has the fan base he has now. He's not going to get any more. But what people will do is they'll go and check out Penelope, who's a let's we're all three heterosexual men. Penelope is a very good looking woman. And you're going to see a lot of people wanting to white knight for her a lot more than jump on board with the glasses wearing Southern drawl uh, 60 year old. Uh, I'd probably be if I'm a teenager, early 20s, and I go, even though she's married, Penelope, I go look at her and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to white knife on that team. That's you. You got to think like a guy. You know, what I mean, you guys know the deal. Young twenty-five-year-old is not going to side with us or Cornette or Steve Pino. He's going to go on Penelope and Kip's side. All it does is make a bunch of white knights come out on both sides, and then they're going at it too. It's kind of fun entertainment for us. But you guys got to admit, you have to kind of be in the mood for that stuff. Are you guys like me at this point that you got to have to be in the mood for it? Like, I don't really look for this kind of stuff. Do you guys look for this kind of stuff anymore? I don't. I mean, I look at it and I go, ah. It's fucking slow. It must be a slow Saturday or a slow right. Sunday in, in the wrestling world for us to be talking about this shit. And that's exactly how I chalked it up this weekend. It's a non-story. It's not like it's leading to anything really worthwhile. Like Miro's not really going to wrestle this guy in the ring. I mean, at least that'd be a fun payoff. But 
Well, Jim's not really in the business. I mean, Jim is in the podcasting, but I think that's the one thing. We're, yeah. we're, we're, I mean, Jeff, you know it too. I mean, you guys, if you talk Stephen P. New, he'd probably say the same thing. Jim's not in the wrestling business. He's in a business that talks about wrestling. He's in the podcast business, and he's a former wrestler who is using his celeb to sell more, which is his right, his character. He owns the right to his, his image and all that stuff. Jim's got it down packed after all. He's just... But technically, he is not currently in the modern wrestling business. He is yeah. not employed by any wrestling company. Am I wrong here? He no, not. you're not wrong. I think oh, yeah. it's just interesting that he works so many people up in the business. Right. Because, you know, I think it's because of his tenure and his, you know, the respect that he has with a lot of people that are in booking, you know, and all that, that, you know, people say, oh, this guy is very influential and when he says something he needs to be held accountable but listen it's it's neither here nor there it's like come on like everybody gets like you said things get blown out of proportion and then a whole lot of nothing's made a whole lot of something's made out of nothing let's let's talk about this other thing that's uh hidden the uh internet uh wrestling community and that's this girl on cinema she's the hottest uh, YouTuber on 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 wrestling today. What's up, Shrimp Dick? She, <laughs> I mean, but the cause itself and why it's happening. I thought it was more about AEW and what they're doing than it's about girl on cinema. Because if they're doing that to her, they're doing that to others that we don't know about. You understand what I'm saying? Well, it absolutely. Was a bit about both, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, one is, the part that's unique to AEW is that they said that they weren't going to do this. And they also clearly pick on pick and choose. They let stand things that are more positive, and they seem to be picking at things that are more negative. And they did this; they did it recently um, in larger volume. But it's also just plain about the, the principle as a content creator uh, on multiple platforms about the, the, the fair use doctrine and then the First Amendment and f- freedom. So part it was partly AEW. It was partly because AW was the one who did it. They're the company who did it, but they're sort of arbitrary or really their targeted way of doing it and, and who to choose and who not to choose, which a property owner can do at, at times, uh, but it was sort of shitty based on their statements. But also the, the basic precept of, you know, the one thing about WWE is they do the same thing to everyone. I mean, they just use an algorithm and a computer and it's based on numbers and formulas. They don't care if you're positive or not. They're going to hit you with a strike. A, which, you know, you can argue whether that's better or worse. A.W. paid attention. It was almost like Nixon. They have sort of like their list of enemies. Right. So They do, Jeff, but the, the, that's exactly the, the difference, right, is yeah. Vince pays a firm to take care of this. And it's probably not even Vince. It's probably not even Vince. doesn't give a shit about what people are saying on Twitter. He does, probably doesn't even pay attention to his own Twitter. I definitely don't think he's managing his own handle. Um, but the fact that Tony Khan comes out of wherever and the ivory tower and claims, Oh, woe is me and my billion dollars in production. You're stealing from me, little girl with your YouTube, like bullshit. Come on, man. You were supposed to be a man of the people. And now you're nothing but fucking Mr. Mr. McMahon light. Like fuck out of here. Like, I think that's, I have a serious question though on this. Not that all these haven't been serious questions, but do you think that some of these cracks are because they're not making money? I think possibly one thing I'll say is let's not overlook the obvious. Uh, Cinema Girls, uh, a lot of her videos, and I've, I've 
checked out the mall. Not even watched the mall, but I saw what she has available. And she does talk about music and other things besides AEW and WWE. And she's admittedly, and I, even though I think she knows a lot about wrestling, maybe playing it a little bit coy, knows more about wrestling than she's leading on because she uses jargon that regular let's call them, I'm doing figure quotes against civilians uh, who are new or just <laughs> casual wrestling fans would not use. Yeah. She's using very hip jargon. So she's either got someone around her, and clearly she has someone in that room who's either producing or helping her. Uh, she might even have a wrestling knowledgeable friend on hand to speak to, to say, uh, you know who this guy is? But I think with her, I think, like I said, uh, you know, she she she's doing a good job for a young rookie in the game and a rookie in the she is she's a newbie and that's not an insult it's just a fact and I think that getting this hit with this kind of stuff early is maybe a good thing and a bad thing was it right now it appears she's handling good I don't know her so I don't you know pretend I've you know worked with people who judge people who they don't know and it's blown up in their face so I'm not going to even pretend to think I know somebody who I don't know at all. But, uh, you know, I, I do like her delivery. I like her cadence. I like uh, yeah. the comedy. I love the dry humor because that's my humor. Um, mm -hmm. I think we probably would get along very well if we conversed. Um, and, again, I, I like the, the, the delivery and stuff like that. It doesn't seem – it seems very off the cuff. But, I, again, I don't know her. I'm just assuming. But uh, the one thing I'll say is the moments like this, and you guys know the same thing too just from life, they either make you or break you or you just – you become, oh, what happened to that person? No, oh, they're not doing it anymore. It was just a thing. They're not doing the show. Getting back to the main thing and why Tony Khan did what he did is because she's known as the girl who hates AEW just like I am. And if I got a response from Tony Khan, I guarantee you one of the people who don't like me would tip him off and say, Tony, this guy, his whole thing is hating on AEW. Oh, really? Okay. Well, guess what? Uh, use my clips and then uh, you'll hear from my attorney. If yeah, it was like, if it was like you Jeff, Jeff are, you know that. But Jeff, you, if, if he says this guy Kev Castle puts over AEW, they would roll it. You know how it is. You're pro something, you get even if it's not a red carpet, you get a carpet. But if you are a hater, you're gonna get the fucking venom. I don't see anybody who gets this business. This is the biggest hypocrisy. My brother has called it that our community has a big hypocrisy problem because what's good for one is not good for the other. Someone practices doesn't practice what they preach who, who can do a whole diatribe and then turn around and do something completely in the same aspect, but just to another person. And that you hope it doesn't get heard about, but obviously uh, the point being is she got the wrath of Tony. If you want to say, or oh, the passive aggressiveness tweet, which I found that tweet to be more of just a, a little, you know, kind of backslap than it was any kind of like real assertive, uh, you know, I'm going to come after you with all guns blazing. It was more of a, giving her a warning shot. Basically, I saw that email, and you guys probably saw it too. It's kind of a, this is, this is what it is. And, you know, it's my stuff. Um, because yeah, he but, looked at but the thing and it said, AEW sucks was the title of her last video. That didn't But, he, but here's the thing. If you're preaching and you're, you're branding yourself as like, I'm better than Vince. I'm in. I'm cool. It's cool, guys. You can use my clips. You can use my shit. I'm not going to fucking be like Vince and tell you not to leg slap and not to do this shit. Like that's supposed to be your, your shit, right? Right. But at the same time, you're now squashing the little man. Like, no, see, no, no. But, but guys, you're not, but, you're but not guys, any different than Vince. No, no. But guys understand, wouldn't it be weird for you to have me on if I was a guy like, yeah, it would make for great radio, but 
We're going to have on Kev Castle, the guy who hates this show so much that every tweet he's uh, so, but we're going to have him on. She's going to get treated more with kid gloves by males, and I'm going to get the aggression. That's just the way it is. But the, and that's See, I think, fine. I think that, the opposite. That's fine, I think that's fine with me. That's fine with me. I think it's the opposite. I think everybody goes and attacks her because she's a girl. No, and but I thought, did you guys she, see a lot of aggression? Towards I saw a lot of support. I didn't see a lot of. She aggression. comes out and says, "Jeff, I'll get to you in a sec." Yeah. She she has told you on her videos that she's you know in and out of wrestling, a casual fan for seven years, so she understands the jargon. Right. And there'll be other wrestling fans that'll fight her and be like, seven years? What do you fucking know, seven years? That means you knew John Cena. Fuck you. Like, seven years is a lifetime. Seven years is a fucking master's degree. Get the fuck out of here. What What is going on? Well, Jeff, she's go funny. Ahead. It's a third of her life. But here, here's the difference between <laughs> me or Kevin Castle doing it. We are not the demo. We are 52-year-old white men. She is a, whatever, 19 to 23-year-old female wrestling fan who is tech savvy smart clever and a little bit smarmy she is exactly their demo she's exactly their audience and that's why it hurts because she is the archetype of everything they want they want to be a female friendly young friendly youth friendly tech friendly modern era friendly promotion and she's rejected it and she's getting traction doing it but the point being is that when it's the end of the day Tony Khan's going to see it as this is trying to hurt. You're right. She's of that demo, and some cute girl is going to appeal to these young guys. Going to be like, yeah, yeah, let's. She's, you know what? I took a good look at. She's right. This is whack. This shit sucks. This is garbage. This is trash. She's right. He's afraid that that's going to happen. Now she doesn't have the power. She's not JD, who's got serious power in this community. Uh, you know, she's up and coming. She, you know, and if she sinks or swims, it's going to depend on what where where it goes in the next few weeks to months. Time, as you guys know, time will tell the story. We can't predict anything right now. We can't even predict WrestleMania. We don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, we don't even know how many people are going to be at WrestleMania. So we don't know how someone's podcasting career is going to go. We don't know anything. Um, it's all guesses and opinions. But the whole thing being is that Tony Khan, I think, is rattled by a lot of the things that have happened recently from the bad review on the ending of the pay-per-view, him having to do a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, you know, quick, quick uh, excuses and explanations of, you know, the big surprise was a big disappointment. There's been a lot of silliness. A lot of botches are going on. You guys notice AEW has a lot of botch moments. Uh, so he's very, he's on this apologetic. He's very defensive now. So if he's going to see someone, this guy, this girl, this demo, this is going to hurt the product. Fuck that. You know what? I'm going to use my power of attorney, so to speak. I'm going to use my resource that I, I'm in, within my rights to do such and such. The video um, that she released today is, is entitled Gatekeeping. I'm going to watch that too tomorrow. I'm going to watch it. And it's too. brilliant. It's it's only 15 minutes. And of that 15 minutes, the last two minutes are, you know, hocking her Patreon, which I'm seriously considering doing, except that I'm a patron of like 92 shows. And, and I. What's another and one? I, and, I lose, and I lose money on my own. So. <laughs> so we'll. But, but, but we'll see. Anyway, the point is. Um, I stand with her. I, I, I listen. I, I find her entertaining. I do not agree with everything she says. I think out of me and Steve, I'm the lesser AEW hater, but we both criticize it. But there's, I think, I enjoy more of it than he does. But that he he enjoys different things than I do, which is fine. I I, I don't care what her stance is on AEW. To me, it's it's a content creator rights thing. It's a precedent kind of thing, and I think it affects every single one of us here and a lot of the people who listen because. 
Everybody yeah. and their mother has a podcast now. Everybody is now an amateur journalist. But the, too, many, the, the, too, the too, too many, and like I said, things will get. Yeah, but the second one's the important know? one. The second one, when you start to engage in journalism, whether you're good or bad at it, as long as you're not, you know, breaking any libel law, laws, you are protected by the First Amendment, and that's just the way it is. And I made the comparison on the uh, mash with mesh that 30 years ago. We weren't sure that Rush Limbaugh was entitled to that kind of First Amendment protection. And whether you liked him or hated him, whether you like him or hate him now before his demise, didn't matter. Nobody four years ago, four months ago, or 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, ever harbored the thought that he wasn't entitled to First Amendment protection. You may wish he didn't have it, but, you know, so I think that this YouTube podcast type of journalism we're in that phase now where it's getting big enough where, you know, either we all stand together and say, yes, we're entitled to the same stuff, back off, bub, or we're going to lose it and lose it forever because uh, they're going to make some distinction between media and not media. This is a horrible comparison, but how they make distinctions between what's a religion and what's a cult. Uh, they may, you know, they may try and, you know, force a line there. There shouldn't be a line. That that so mine is more about precedent than AEW. Oh yeah, but again, would probably what put it in the spotlight was the the title of the videos that were in question. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That that's no, what really very, that's what put it on the map. Sure, she's very savvy, and she listen. She knew what she was doing when she was trying to tag uh, Tony. Um, of course, Tony Khan. It was ask, ask any just, prosecutor. You never have a perfect victim. You never have a perfect witness. Somebody always does something for there to be some tripwire. There, there's not that much randomness. It, it, there is random, but there's not that much. So there's there's oftentimes, not always, but there's oftentimes some tripwire. So yeah, she she poked the bear a little bit. Okay, there it is. So, she, so it was a perfect chess move. It's a perfect chess move. She knew what she was doing, and he bit. And I just think he needed to be the bigger guy and just shut the fuck up, not say anything. But, you know, he couldn't help himself. How old of a guy, how old of a guy is Tony Khan in his thirties? I would imagine he's under young thirties. Yeah, no, no. I I think he's older than we think he is. I think he's not young thirties. I think he's, I think he's like, let's look that up for a second. I'm just curious. Yeah. Let me look it up. You got me working the, uh, the Wikipedia because I thought he was a 32 or 33, and then I, I, I'm pretty sure I heard a show where it turned out 38. he was 38. Yeah. 30. Well, okay. So, I mean, yeah, he's not quite middle-aged yet, but because um, there's there's a, a, a youthful kind of brattiness to him, if you notice. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. and, 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 not, and not coming from – you comes from Kevin, being a brat. But no, 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 but not even from, <laughs> from, from, from coming from the money. It's coming from almost uh, like that generation of you can't tell me anything. And I was curious of how old he was um, because, again, I, I'm getting a sense of that. And I think, again, he, uh, as much as uh, wants to be Vince McMahon and is critical of the old man and get out of the way, I'm the new guy in town, he's finding out that other people have, you know, challenged Vince this way over the years, uh, you know, and they usually end up either working for him or they die. You know what I'm saying? So that's really what happens. It used to be there's room for everybody that we're we're trying to attract a different market, right. and and I think they're actually I mean they have achieved a different market, but they don't seem happy with that, which is smart. They should try to broaden their horizon, which actually my spirit daughter girl on cinema said today they should be trying to get her the casual viewer to watch. 
Um, they should be trying to expand the market. And I don't think things like this help much. Uh, oh, no, they don't. But uh, Jeff, like even the, the failed attempt with Shaq, like, yeah, it got you a, a bump for a week. What happened last week? They shit the bed with ratings. Like, come on. Like, lost 200,000 viewers. 200,000. Yeah, well, that, that, that exposed that the product itself is not building. It, 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 it was Shaq. It, it was attracting. And one of their other biggest attractions is Sting. And, you know, fine, he's doing great. But how long can that possibly last? So, I, you know, I, I mean, don't know. I, time will I used to. I used to be a lot more uh, critical of AEW because of the buildup that these fans give it. They're like, this is more sports-based, wins and losses matter, all this shit that they fucking built up that at the end of the day, 18 months later, doesn't mean shit. You look at their goddamn rankings and it doesn't mean shit. You well, look they always up. have a tournament or a battle royal or some sort of gimmick match to circumvent or supersede the... the, the yeah, the none, none of it fucking matters. And then don't tell me about, oh, this is real wrestling. When I'm staring at a fucking uh, midget and Marco stunt and a fucking <laughs> wrestling dinosaur, it's all fucking bullshit. It's the same fucking shit that Vince fucking books, just a different fucking flavor. Stop with this nonsense. They Vince books Miro to jump out of a fucking cake two years ago. It's shit. Tony Khan books a fucking mirror to jump out of cake. It's fucking brilliant. It's bullshit. It's different expectations. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Thank you. There you go. Thank there, you. No, that's really again. That's the the main problem uh, of of the whole of the whole deal. I mean, that's the whole thing. And and everybody wanting to be right. Kevin, you know, you know what I don't understand is like this glorifying of like, hey, so and so blocked me. Like. Yeah. Oh, you know, I got so and so to block me. You know, I got Kevin Castle to block me. Uh, and what do you want a fucking medal? Like I, you're I, haven't blocked, I haven't blocked anybody in like three months. Like, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like, no, it's just no, yeah. stupid. It's like, do you? Do, who goes to a fucking? Let's say like you go to a club and you're trying to pick up a girl, right? And you're like, hey, you know who blocked me? Nobody gives a shit, asshole. Like. Move on. This is the most, like, wrestling fans are the most antisocial fucking idiots. Like, whenever you go to a meetup and you're like, hey, cool shirt, you like fucking Bullet Club? They look at me like I'm fucking, I've got three titties and a fucking uh, goddamn fifth eye on my fucking head. Like, are you done? Are you dense? Kev, before before we let you go, um, you know, since um, you do happen to be a big advocate for Carrying Cross and we have Carrying Cross looking to do business with Finn Balor. Right. Heading into um, stand and deliver, we just wanted to pick your brain on that matchup and and what you think of uh, what do you think of that? Uh, for, with Finn Balor, I think you know it was bound to happen. He didn't lose it. It was unfortunate what happened to him that night with Keith Lee, legitimate injury. It was well documented. You know, he let the cameras see he was human, and uh, you know he didn't get surgery. He uh, you know he did it in the uh, exercise and rest and certain you know. Uh, people he went to see who, uh, you know, um, basically, uh, you know, got him, he's got, he went on a, a diet and uh, all these different things that he did to naturally heal it. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, telling you guys just talking about it, uh, you know, I, I have concerns that he can get re-injured again because he didn't get the surgery. I mean, just from a, a friend concern to a fan concern, uh, you know, obviously, you know, knock on wood, I hope for the best with him. But I, I think that the fact, and I've seen Meltzer and uh, Wade Keller say some 
things that uh, he's maybe being a little cautious or whatever. And I don't think he's acting like that at all. I think he's just kind of, you know, he's got a particular style. I haven't really seen him change. I mean, I've been watching him wrestle on the independent circuit for a while uh, before he ever entered the national fray or even went, even went to impact. Uh, Cause we, we have a, a relationship uh, of him being a fan of my show going back 10 years of me and me and Anthony in fairness. Um, you know, but I, I, I think he's going to get the belt back. I think him versus Balor is a great marquee match. Balor, uh, you know, Balor is a big wrestling star. Sometimes I'm even in denial about what a big star Finn Balor is because, you know, in a lot of ways I admire him. He, you know, some people see it as a demotion. Some people see it as a step back. Going back to NXT, some people see it as a step up because NXT is, you know, uh, the more f- action-packed wrestling, even though people say it's not what it used to be, but nothing is how it used to be. But they filled that new roster with Parker and – Bronson Steiner and all these new exciting young talents. I'm uh, the roster, and I know that the NXT locker room is excited about the new people who are coming in. The new trainees are looking good, and I think Cross is excited about it too. So again, I think NXT and now moving to Tuesdays. I think it's going to come back, and I if Cross is at the helm wearing the belt, and again, like I said, it's cool because. Uh, not just as a fan, because even if I didn't know him from a hole in the wall on a personal level, I, I would be a fan of his right up my alley his style, uh, the character, the, another old school New York guy, born in New York, raised in New York, his father in the boxing industry and stuff. He's the type of guy, you know, tattoo enthusiast, heavy metal guy, loves hardcore music. Uh, he, he'd be hanging out with my crew with my friends at the club if he wasn't in wrestling. So that's what makes it kind of cool about it. It's like seeing somebody who you really like on a, on a personal level. Forget, even if he was just a, a mid, mid-card guy. But I think he's going to be a big star in wrestling. I, I knock on wood about that injury, though. I have concerns about it because he never had the surgery. And I, I'm not, I don't know if you guys knew that there was never any surgery involved that he yeah. got natural healing way, which again, I, I have mixed feelings about the natural healing way because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can get injured again at the drop of a hat sometimes. And it's, you know, my guy, and I always think about my God, you know, not to, you know, bad karma, if anything, I want to push positive positivity, but, but again, you know, in wrestling, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, look what happened to Balor. Remember when he won the title from Seth Rollins that night and got hurt and Balor's career has never really been the same. So you hope for the best, and uh, I think that uh, that match is going to be really good. Um, I think Cross is really going to have to wrestle a little bit of a different style because the way Finn Balor works, Finn Balor is so fast, and it's—I don't know if if he's going to work Cross's pace more, or you know, I'm sure that Finn's an easy guy to work with, from what I understand. So I'm sure he's going to want to do its best, and he's going to want to help put uh, Cross over to a degree. You know, Finn Finn is not a selfish guy, uh, but he's done a great job as a champion. I've changed my mind on him as the NXT champion, but it's time for cross to get that belt back. And I think, uh, as NXT moves to the new night and cross wearing the gold and, and more eyeballs on the product. And we don't have to worry about AEW taking the shine from NXT cross is going to show the world. I think, is he what we all think he could be? Is he what Vince and triple H, especially triple H thinks he can be. I, I, I look forward to it. I'm excited. Like he's a family member. I really am excited about it. Thank you for coming on. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'll come back in the future and uh, looking forward to having you in, in my home, in my new home. Uh, that'll Just wipe your feet when you come in, okay? Absolutely. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Steve, Steve, have a good one. Thank you, guys. You too, man. Take it easy. Be good. Peace. All right, bye. Peace. All right, everybody, we're back. And, you know, we, we try to cover – we obviously – recorded that earlier in the week. So forgive us if we missed any 
late additions to the Fastlane card. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Kevin Castle. And now let's try to cover some other WWE notes that we might have missed. Jeff? Yeah, I had a couple of brief things and real brief from SmackDown that we didn't uh, cover, I don't think, anyway. And, you know, we saw Nakamura two weeks in a row, one week, you know, he, he, he's sort of uh, side-eyeing Seth Rollins. So it's not clear if he's back with Cesaro or not, but there's at least a little interesting thing going on with Seth Rollins and uh, Nakamura, possibly Cesaro. I have a feeling that Nakamura may be the next one to join Seth Rollins. Um, Ooh. So we'll see. Um, and one of the better low-key stories in SmackDown seems to have been dropped entirely, and that is Agent Provocateur Sabotage Sonya Deville. Haven't seen anything about that in the last couple of weeks, and I'm really disappointed. Now, it's obviously something that they could pick back up at any time, and I hope that they do. So that was those were yep. all my only SmackDown notes. On a uh, on Unless you have SmackDown, I can just jump right into Raw. No, go right into Raw. I don't have anything else to add for SmackDown that we didn't already cover. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that any of us think that Drew versus Lashley is going to be the ultimate WrestleMania match, but we talked about that. But I will say that Smashley looked smashing in royal in purple, which is the color of royalty. And you know, Miz was there, but who cares because no one could see Miz. As I pointed out last week, and everyone's covering the story this week, is Morrison's hair which was ridiculous yeah. last week and was ridiculous this week. It's just nobody else saw it last week but me, of course. What would you call that? Like a Luna Vachon, a mullet? What would you call that? I will that? tell you exactly what it is. In my Cameron Grimes voice, what in the Billy Ray Cyrus was going on with that hair? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I'm not know. Gonna, I'm, Jeff, that I'm not going to lie. an achy, breaky heart hairstyle. Jeff, I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of liked it. Like, if, if I had long flowing locks like Morrison, I probably would try to go for that look. But I think it was the whole package that the, the, the hair, the, the, the sunglasses, like the shirt. Did lot you of, wish you got Jesse's girl? No. Hmm. Did you tell anyone to don't tell me you love me because you don't want to know? <laughs> no. All right, well, then it, then it didn't work. Maybe you're all out of love. You're so lost without me. Um, <laughs> Drew used uh, Lashley's move to tap out The Miz, who should just tap out everything at this point. Uh, I knew that there was trouble for the Hurt Business when MVP didn't show up with uh, the tag team champions. Mm -hmm. That was a little bit annoying. Um, you know, fine, the New Day, they get their championships again, but... I have to say that my groan went from uh, my frown turned upside down into a smile when AJ came out with almost and they challenged a new day, which I mean, they're like, you're not even a licensed tag team. What the hell does that mean? You're licensed <laughs> tag team. That was just ridiculous. That was, that was, I mean, that had to be a swipe at, at Tony Schiavone at saying that Paul White had his, uh, got an AEW wrestling license because only Xavier is that smart to put that together. And to, oh, and sure thing fit it in that way um but Jeff, I mean, it, it, speaking about this match i want to ask you i want to pick your brain on this because i saw a lot of criticism as to oh why give new day the titles why almost an aj it makes no sense and i can think of one reason but i want to hear yours 
Well, I mean, we've been talking that Omos was getting ready to make his debut in the ring, but he, I'm mm-hmm. sure he can't do singles yet. But also, doesn't this make AJ a Grand Slam champion with this? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the reason. And New Day are faces, and AJ and Omos are heels. So, I mean, it makes sense. All I know is that I was instantly interested, and I was really upset about the Hurt Business, but I got instantly interested. So, you know, I'm good with that. It worked. It was a silly little wrestling story, and it worked. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm intrigued and I like it because one, it makes sense to me because if you're if you're trying to put almost over and make him look like a legit big guy, what better way than to have him at WrestleMania just throw around Xavier Woods and Kofi? Like these guys are established enough that they can take that sort of a beating and a grinding from a guy like Omos and still walk away untouched and make, they're going to bump around, make almost look like a million bucks. AJ's going to do the same thing. AJ looks good. Almost looks good. It makes perfect sense. They make almost a big deal. The story tells itself. So I don't understand why there's so many wrestling fans or supposedly smart wrestling fans that claim to know wrestling and then shit on this when it's business. It's it's just, I mean, yeah. there's two reasons. One, they're wrestling fans, so they complain about everything. The <laughs> other thing is, almost doesn't have a work rate. He can't do chain wrestling. He needs to be trained <laughs> by Zack Saber Jr. and Drew Gulag before he should wrestle. So that'll be <laughs> seven foot seven. He can do whatever he wants. Exactly. Um, I was really happy to see that that long commercial and promo where Titus was clearly getting the Warrior Award. Nope, it was a Dairy Queen commercial. <laughs> come on, that's just. I mean, come on. The guy deserves better than that. Now, I know that there's a lot of um, righteous talk about Chad Gaspard getting the Warrior Award, but that's all just rumor. And if he's not going to get it, Titus deserves it every year. But that whole commercial, that whole thing, and it turns out to be a Dairy Queen commercial, not the Warrior Award sponsored by Dairy Queen. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was a big letdown, you know, for me. But I, you know, T- Titus is still on payroll, so... Do you think that, like, now that, like, social media has just started mentioning, oh, give it to Shad, give it to Shad, do you think if this builds momentum enough heading closer and closer to WrestleMania and WWE doesn't give it to Shad, that now WWE, by default, looks bad? WWE doesn't care about that. If they want to give it to Shad, they're going to give it to Shad, but Let's go back to the same thing I've been saying a bunch of times. This is going to be on Peacock. The Hall of Fame is going to be a Peacock exclusive. So I would say the chances of it being Shad versus someone that was working with some big charity or someone that's more famous in a different sector getting it is pretty small. It would be lovely if they gave it to Shad, but the first Peacock Hall of Fame, I I have to believe that they're going to give it to someone that has a little bit outside of wrestling notoriety, maybe someone that's famous, you know, that they would, but I mean, you know, it's not going to be like Melinda Gates or something because she's too big for that, but, but someone, you know, sort of on a, you know, in a bad bunny kind of world, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has some sort of crossover appeal. Um, they will get them publicity both before and afterwards. And sadly that's not Shad Gaspar because, 
he was he's a wrestler and and he's only famous in one era yes i know he did some movies and whatever but you know he was basically a you know a body that they cgi'd over most of the time um so no i don't think it's gonna be shad gaspar but you know it would be a very pleasant surprise he's certainly deserving but no i i think this i don't think this year is business as usual when it comes to that or maybe to the contrary, it is business as usual because that's what they do with the Warrior Award. They try to yeah. they try to get a kid, or or you know, Joan London, or or someone, there we go. you know, someone that's going to get them, you know, uh, attention on Entertainment Tonight, TMZ, or today the Today Show, that sort Today of thing. Show. Good Morning America. Watch yeah, them give it to like Michael Strahan. Yeah, someone that can do right, Michael Stray, Michael J. Fox. I mean, something. So something that's going to get them some sort of uh, notoriety like that. I guess we can mention how Bad Bunny got a Grammy, but also gave away his 24-7 belt to R-Truth, which, I mean, who cares? But right away, the the, the gang of goobers were chasing uh, R-Truth, and they were not chasing Bad Bunny. I will also point out that The Miz hit Bad Bunny with a guitar because Damian Priest and everybody else was distracted by, you guessed it, Morrison's hair. <laughs> back back to that again yes and well my last thing is that riddle retained his belt and defeating ali and ali still decided to berate retribution so i mean i'm, I'm done with my notes and i'm so done with this i mean i've come up with ways that you could possibly save retribution and nothing is completely unsalvageable but this is about as close to completely uns as to unsalvageable salvageable as i've ever seen I think I, I can't recall if you, you mentioned this like in a private chat or on the show, but I know that you were saying that at some point Riddle Scooter is going to get damaged or or broken or demolished or something. And this week when he zoomed past retribution on the scooter, I, I thought of you saying that going, ah, oh, see, Jeff is onto something. The scooter's gonna end up uh, getting destroyed by probably retribution. I said it last week. I still agree with me. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Yes. All I, right, guys. Let's... Obviously the scooter is going to, is going to get destroyed and, and it has to, what, what is the point of that dumb scooter? Did he name it yet? I think, yeah, I think he named it. I don't know. I don't well, of course he named it, so he named it. And the only purpose of naming something is so that it gets destroyed later on down the line. Mm, this is true. When, once you anthropomorphize something, it, it must be destroyed. This is true. Well, didn't they do that with uh, the New Day's trombone? What's this, what was yes. it called? Yes, they, and they did it with the, the horse, and they did it with hat. I mean, it, this, this, is just, this is just the way of things. If I've told you one time, I've told you a million times, once you anthropomorphize something, you must destroy it. Why, why can't you remember that? I don't know. Maybe we should put it on a shirt, and then maybe I can remember it easier. Or at least like a hang. Maybe we should come up with our own, like, horse, and then put it on there and sell none of them. <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot of my other business ventures, so sure. Very good. All right, Jeff, it's time for news. Uh, 
All right. In the news this week, we have a bunch of stuff and some of it is just rumor, but let's talk about the news that we know. So from Impact, we know that Rich Swan unified the Impact Championship with the TNA Championship. So Rich Swan, the non-free agent, won the won the the unified championship. Shocker. He'll go on to face Kenny Omega if Kenny Omega is still the, the AW champion at Impact's next, next pay-per-view. Um, as I already mentioned, the Good Brothers lost their tag team titles to Finjuice, who are now in Japan. A couple of other uh, notes. Royce Isaacs, formerly of Strictly Business and NWA, was an AEW elevation. Not sure if that's a long-term thing, if that was a tryout, or if that was just a paycheck, but something to keep your eye on if you were a Strictly Business fan. Layla Hirsch signed a contract with AEW, so there it is. We already talked about the COVID exposure at the Performance Center. Everyone likes to bash NXT and uh, WWE for this, which, you know, is probably to an extent true, but... Don't forget they're in Florida, which basically all restrictions were lifted. So these folks could have gotten it anywhere. And, you know, so who knows? Um, all right. March 21st, NWA is returning. The pay-per-view is $20. It's on Fight TV. It's called Back for the Attack. We have Nick Aldis. We have Thunder Rosa. There's going to be Elijah Burke. Uh, Camille is on the card. Tim Storm, Aaron Steven, Trevor Murdoch. Uh, I believe Trevor Murdoch is facing Tyrus, um, which seems like a strange hire given his sexual harassment allegations at Fox News of all places, um, especially given the circumstances that Dave Logano had to leave, whether you believe what happened to him or not was true. Um, it's just a strange, a strange addition. Along with strange things, I heard that Sean Waltman has, is now clear of hepatitis C and he had surgery and he is making a comeback. So, okay. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Sean Waltman making a comeback. Um, a comeback to what? I thought he was doing great podcasting. Let Stay there, buddy. Don't, don't get in the ring, man. Well, it's we don't need I mean, you. I'm pretty sure he's the, the slot right ahead of ours. So if he's out, then, you know, <laughs> we jump up. Um, Second Hall of Fame inductee has been named. So joining Molly Holly is Eric Bischoff. Um, Maki Ito, the, the flavor of last week and into this week, uh, including uh, Twitter storms and burials of me, including Kenny Omega quibbling with me in case McMillan is listening, not bickering, but he just quibbled with me or, or made one comment. After all that, She's already back in Japan, so this was all of this was over a three-three rental, and nobody seems to be making uh, any noise about the fact that Ryu or Rio, uh, R Y O R Y U, because they couldn't bother to get her name consistent. Uh, I assume that she's also gone back to Japan. Um, the we talked about the pinnacle, uh, but what I didn't mention the. Uh, NWA is that Chris Adonis is making his return to the NWA. Um, well, maybe not return. People probably remember him best as Chris Masters or Chris Nowitzki, same guy. He was with Eli Drake in, in Impact for a while. Um, and he's been working with UWN, which is in sort of a cooperative agreement with uh, NWA. Charlotte Flair is rumored to have been cast as the lead in the reboot of Walking Tall. Um, so as we were talking about, all movies are being remade, just switching genders and such. So 
Charlotte Flair uh, making her leap to the big screen. Um, I watched Elevation, and the best part of Elevation, in my view, was when they caught Brock Anderson, Arn Son, yawning like there was no tomorrow, and that really said all you need to know about Elevation. Um, that yawn was more explosive than the end of Revolution. Dun-dun-dun. I will say this. Elevation in its first week, um, within 24 hours, it only did about 200 and something thousand, which I thought might be a disappointment. But as of 11 o'clock this morning, it had 708,000 in, in four days. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a success. Um, but it really was no different than Dark. And I think people thought there was it was either going to be more important matches or it was truly going to be sort of the developmental show with... with um, with more people that you you wouldn't see with longer matches and and more sort of almost training. Um, speaking of dark, it did one sixteen this week. Last week four hundred thousand. The week before four hundred and sixteen thousand. Someone pointed out to me and said I should mention this. I don't know how important it is, but I said I would. That AW Dark does have two point oh five million subscribers. So proportionally, they're not getting a lot of viewers. I, honestly, I've got no idea how that compares to. The world at large. I did compare it to MLW, which this week got had twenty four thousand in, in you know again from eleven o'clock this morning, so sixteen hours. Last week sixty one thousand. The week before seventy five thousand. They're up to. They have one hundred and seventy seventeen thousand subscribers. So you know theirs is a much higher ratio. Uh, mm. NWA. It's sort of unfair now to look at it, but back in the day they they were probably closer to a. Uh, one to three, um, one to four ratio as subscribers to uh, viewers. I didn't look hey, at Jeff, it. I, yeah. I just want to update one thing. Um, on the NWA card, it appears that Trevor Murdoch is facing Chris Adonis, formerly known as Chris Masters. Ah. And Tyrus is facing Kratos. Kratos? Uh, Kratos, Kratos Jr. That's the guy they had replaced the question mark in that, that one episode. Um, and I think Kratos Jr. is still one half of the tag team champions with Aaron. That is Simmons. correct. Yes. Um, I'm not really sure about the other matches. I mean, Nick Aldis is facing Aaron Stevens, which is supposed to be an homage to the question mark, who was his prior tag team partner. So I guess that's nice. I don't know if it's, it's going to attract many viewers. I mean, first of all, Aaron Stevens is, is not the name that he once was, but also Aaron Stevens, his full-time job is the head booker for championship wrestling of Hollywood, which also sort of shares talent with UWN and NWA, but I, I can't see there being a title change on that. Um, I don't know. It's just weird to reboot a brand that's been so badly damaged with a pay-per-view. I mean, you're right away asking people to pay money to see you rather than to build back that that goodwill and to see who's on the card. I mean, I wasn't even clear that Tom Latimer, who a lot of people know as Bram was still with the company. I knew he was still yeah. with Camille. I think they're married, but I don't know. We'll see. Good luck to them, but I'm not going to be one of the people giving them $20, especially since it's competing with fast lane. Um, some other ratings of note, we already talked about NXT uh, doing poorly. Poorly was 597, which was pretty darn poor. AW768, which in contrast to NXT sounds pretty good, but still not good. Um, Impact went up 2,000 from 144,000 to 146,000. 
Um, SmackDown went down a bit to, but still over two million, two point zero one million point five in the coveted ratings. Raw went up a tad, one point nine. So Lashley is money. Um, and maybe they lost some of their entrance audience to Elevation, possibly. I'm, I'm not really sure what the crossover is. I'm not sure if Elevation is going to be a two-hour show going forward. By the way, it was two hours, and Dark was still every bit of you know two to three hours. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I thought that at least those shows would be more contained and more constructed. And, and, and maybe that's where maybe that's where I'm missing the thing. Maybe that's where. SCU got their seven wins was in those five hours of wrestling that I didn't watch. Yeah. I have to be honest that I was watching elevation and sort of only half paying attention. And at some point I realized that people were wrestling twice. And what I didn't realize <laughs> was that my YouTube was just running and it <laughs> went straight into dark. Um, so I'm like, why is Cesar Banani wrestling twice, especially after that debacle with Luchasaurus? My God, that was, that was, Cesar Bernardi. That guy reminded me of Salvatore Sincere. The thing is, I like Cesar Bonani looks-wise. I mean, he's tall, he's muscular, he's got athletics, but that was terrible. Now I see why NXT dropped him. I mean, it's unlikely there was Luchasaurus, the veteran who screwed up. So No, Luchasaurus is in the video pointing at him which way to go. It's It's horrible. I saw that. I just don't know who messed up first. Just because Luchasaurus recovered first doesn't mean he didn't mess up. But listen, the chances are 90% that it was Cesar Bonani who messed up plus, but uh, you know, I, I'm not a professional. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take the, the, the word of the wrestling dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with co-signing that. And listen, that, that is really the news. Uh, I think we've, we've. Oh, did you, did you mention Eric, Eric Bischoff entering the hall of fame? I did indeed. Yes, joining Molly Holly. That's right. Should I and should I mention that uh, Maki Ito returned to Japan again? No. Oh, too late. <laughs> too late. I don't. I don't. I, I. I heard that part. I feel like we're missing something. I don't know. Hmm. Hey, maybe you'll come to us when we start reading off the uh, the outro. All right, guys, that's pretty much been episode 22 of uh, the Hammerlock Hangover. It's a big, jam-packed episode. Hope you enjoyed it all. Uh, Jeff, quickly, where can people find you, get in contact with you, argue with you? Aside from we know here, Kenny, We know Kenny Omega knows where to find you. We do, and he's been ducking me ever since. I've been, I've been tweeting him. Um, chicken should heal. Um, Icarus Fell MD is Twitter. Um, you can find me, of course, at Hammerlock Hangover, also the Hammerlock Hangover Facebook page. I'm also part of Unpopular Review, and we're everywhere, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. Uh, this week, you could have seen me on the Raw Review Show and the NXT, NXT AEW Review Show, and probably you'll see me in at least one or two capacities during Fastlane, either during the watch-along party or the post-show or both. Also, there is uh, Garden of Doom. I put out two episodes this week, and it looks like that's going to continue. One was the much acclaimed Land of the Lost uh, retrospective, where we reviewed episodes one through six of season one from 1974, and it was amazing. I had a Hollywood executive producer there. I had a student of permoecology who was a earth science teacher for a decade uh, and a docent at an art museum, and then someone in the healthcare industry as well. Um, you could have also heard me on uh, Frank and Gus, but I was substituting for Gus, which was is a wrestling soup 
uh, podcast, which they actually made public. It's usually Patreon, but they made it public, talking about the fair use issue, mostly prompted by Girl on Cinema, but it's a bigger issue. So it was me and Anthony Missionary Thomas on that. So check that out. And we are part of the Wrestling Soup Station now. So we're on their page too. And then actually I was listening to Wrestling Soup earlier live and uh, Mish plugged us. So I know that that's my sign that I can say that it's official. Um, we're also part of the Rational Rage Network. Oh, but my second show with Garden of Doom, very exciting for me. Everyone who's listened to it knows I'm crazy about the Nephi Elimination Aliens. So I had an interview with two of the gentlemen who are organizers of a conference going on in the UK next month. And I've got another interview coming up with a psychic spiritual healer. It's all very exciting to me. And if you like that kind of thing, the paranormal, ancient history, alternative archaeology, whether you believe it or not, if you're just interested in hearing about it, uh, this, the, these these people are the real deal. I mean, they were members of the uh, British, uh, the two two different royal societies in one case, and one of them was part of one royal society. So a lot of fun, a lot of British accents. It's all good. <laughs> Very good. Did you find yourself developing a British accent at the end of the interview? Oh, yeah, it was funny because he, he's like, you know, if, if we have a conference at the Royal uh, Society um, and you come, you know, it's not stuffy. You don't have to be stuffy. I'm like, I'm like, bite your tongue. If I ever go to a Royal Society, I'm going to get a top hat. I'm getting a monocle. I'm getting an ascot. I'm getting a walking stick. I'm going to be looking like every bit like Mr. Monopoly coming in and going, oh, yes, step up and lift. Yes. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'd want a cone. Yeah. Put it in a snifter. Yes. Oh, those hunting dogs are divine. Brilliant. Those hunting dogs are divine. Very good, guys. And I'm uh, Steve. You can hear, you can contact me on Twitter at Big Daddy Cool. That's all one word. Yes, Big Daddy Cool. You can also find me on Unpopular Review. Um, usually doing the Monday reviews, but um, soon going to be doing AEW reviews because I'm so, I guess, controversial in my AEW opinions that uh, they decided to stick me there. So. Yeah, fun times. You can catch us both on Unpopular Review. We review wrestling, movies, all kinds of other stuff there. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I did not remember what I forgot. So we're just going to end here. Yeah, and next week, um, I'm going to look into that Bill Nye lawsuit, which they're saying might affect the wrestling industry. I'm not sure what that's all about, but if it is, we'll talk about that. Um, I just want to remind people that we broke the story about Morrison's hair first. Absolutely. That's right. You heard it here first. Hammerlock Hangover exclusive. Exclusive. So much first. So much first, but possibly nothing more important than Morrison's hair. Absolutely. Very good. Guys, thanks for listening and have a great week. Take it easy. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Hammerlock Hangover podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate us as if you were Okada in the Tokyo Dome and leave us seven stars or as many likes as you can. Please share our awesome podcast with all your friends and family who enjoy wrestling and your favorite social media outlet. If you want to interact with us, you can find Hammerlock Hangover on Facebook and Twitter you can also email us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to catch you on the next episode.